Hey, everybody, it's Ben Kwam, co-host of hopefully your favorite podcast, Libations for Everyone. Today's episode is sponsored by Foundry Nation. Foundry Nation loves THC. Born in Minnesota, they partner with farms throughout the Midwest to supply high-quality seed-to-table THC products. Uh, I've tried their sodas such as Orange Tangy, Strawberry Fields, and Granddaddy Purple. They're incredible. I love them. They're fantastic. Great CBD treats for dogs. They have all kinds of stuff. It's amazing. As our partner, they're offering all of our listeners an exclusive 20% off with the code LIBATIONS20, capital L-I-B-A-T-I-O-N-S-2-0. The future is dope. Thank you so much. Now, let's get on with the show. take a funky route because I thought I'll avoid the freeway and there was a city bus broken down and the entire Perfect. state of, of Minnesota forgot how to drive so nobody could navigate just back and forth because you yeah. know there's only one lane yeah. and it was just a hot mess and I'm just sitting there going like somebody has to go somebody has to go please go well, we're did. not good at that though no. we're no. not good at taking turns we're not good at no. funky routes yeah. we're not good at things like that so I was gonna say did the state of Minnesota ever learn how to drive you're no, right. You know, never. I, I think that I have like a misplaced, I think I have a misplaced ideal of what Minnesota driving is because I think that when I've been other places where it snows, like everybody falls apart and then they just like shelter like a zombie apocalypse style. Right. And so I'm like, oh, well, we can drive in snow, therefore we're good at driving. And those two things are not related. We at relearn all. Every, every, every winter. No. And it seems like every storm. Yes. We've got a good yeah. amount of population trying to figure it out. I think a lot of people stopped commuting and then started commuting in a, like two that years was later. That was the whole thing, too. Yeah. yeah definitely. That, that has to be part of it. I absolutely agree. I mean, you can think it's part of it, but I don't think it's part of it. I think it's just Minnesotans aren't, aren't good with driving. That's my glass half full view, I guess. <laughs> like, well, maybe that's why they don't know how to fucking drive. Although, oh, yeah, question. So are you, are you from Minnesota? I am from Minnesota. Okay. I'm fr- actually from southern Minnesota. So Ooh. driving, like... When people say, well, it's really bad outside up here, I'm from southern Minnesota, and I can drive in anything, literally anything. So it's never bad. Where Can I, can I ask where? Blooming Prairie. I don't know where that is. It's by Hayfield. Okay. I also and know those are real names. <laughs> yes. so. uh, I, um, I was very close with somebody in college who was from Slayton, down in the Marshall, Minnesota area. Sure. And two of the most five most treacherous drives I've ever had have been either going to or coming from. Yes. Her hometown. Yep. Uh, when it, when the wind starts blowing, like the whole world vanishes. It's yeah. just yeah. <laughs> there's there's no line on the horizon. No, You're just hope, hopefully following taillights in front of you that show you that that's where the road is and that's yes. about, that's yeah. about it. I actually so I lived in California for like a good short amount of time, but I had my friends follow me home as a surprise during Christmas on our break, and they showed up. And we went for a drive in their car, and we went in the ditch, obviously, because Duh. they're from California. And they didn't know how to drive in the ice at all. Yeah. But we went in the ditch, and they got out, and all of them jumped out of the car onto the ice and fell on their asses. <laughs> and I'm like, what did you expect to happen? That's when, like Benny when, Hill sketch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you see videos of people slipping on ice, I'm like, oh, yeah, they're not from here. People that yeah. just, like, you could see the glare, and they don't even look at it. You're right. Like, oh, yep, you're not yep. from this area. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. you got to learn to walk flat-footed. But the yeah. reason I asked where you were from, have you have either of you ever been anywhere where you felt like people could drive well? No. 
Because in yes. America, I have not. Oh. Not in America. I think the busier the city, the better the drivers because they have to learn by consequence to be more aggressive drivers. Aggressive is good. Uh-huh. Taking initiation is good. I feel like living in LA, yes, I saw that, but I wouldn't consider that to be great driving. You know, it's like a, it's like a curve. And I feel like people that are forced to have to drive a little more heads up are forced to have to make, you know, more practical maneuvers. And here everyone drives so casually that the lowest common denominator is the most casual driver in a line of 50 people who are all already really casual drivers. I agree with you, except I guess what I would like my friends from New York, when I drive with them, they are very aggressive and they do pay attention. Like their radar is always on, which is, which is wonderful. But the problem is their top speed in New York city is usually like 10 or 15 miles an hour. So you can be a little bit more aggressive and there's not quite as much involved if something goes wrong. And those are the same people. They take the same exact lane change risks at 65 or 70 that they do. And that is mortifying because you're a terrible driver. Like you are running people off the road behind you. Okay. Let me spin it this way. When you get an Uber here and it says Uber will be here in five minutes, how often does it show up in nine or 11 minutes? Yeah. All the time. If you order an Uber in Seattle, Atlanta, San Diego, it says five minutes. They will be there within five minutes. Yeah, no, you're right. There. So just based on that, I guess maybe that's my qualification for how someone is adept at driving because I, I don't think I'm a dangerous driver, but I'm, I'm swift. Like sure. I get where I'm going and yeah. the exact right amount of time, maybe a little faster at times. I don't necessarily speed, but I feel like I'm taking the right angles. I'm switching lanes when I'm supposed to. I feel like no one does that here. No right. one does that here. And I feel like if I get pulled over at any point, I'm just going to say I'm swift. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So. Right. Uh, do you like, know that's I, a weird name. Okay. Well, that's not what your ID says. So can you please not, get out of the car? Ha, ha, ha. Is this is this a swifting ticket? Did I get a swifting? Yeah. 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 It's a little less. Seventy five percent. Yeah. You know. But if I like literally, if I was hard pressed to to, uh, to tell you where I thought the best drivers were, I would say Italy first, and then Ireland second. Like, because when you have to drive all of your time on centuries or millennia old roads, mm-hmm. like. It's just a whole different level of knowing the size of your car and how to move, how to park, how to do all of that. We're just so used to these big fat roads that like to me that is the that's the <laughs> pinnacle. If I had to if I had to hire a driver, I would be like, where Okay, let's say that good is good is subjective. I'm I think my my definition is like an expedient driver, like someone who's like not holding up traffic and also not crashing into anything. Yeah. That's probably my more, more my definition. Like in Lebanon, everyone's super aggressive. Yeah. And often you're like, how are these cars not hitting each other? But it's so symbiotic. Like this right. everything, it's yeah. just everything swims around like they're in water. I just appreciate that. And it takes a lot of skill. <laughs> so I, technically, I guess your driving skills have to be pretty good to be able to do that. Oh. Meanwhile, here where we know snow exists, we still can't even We're figure out how to. We're still learning how to drive. Yeah, That's, still learning how to drive. Yeah. It's fine. And now, fine. <laughs> and now, thanks to the snow and the rain and this then the snow fine. again that we got, uh, now we also have created an obstacle course where everywhere you go, driving through uh, uptown in Minneapolis today is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. It, it looks like, a, like a, a, a war zone. There's potholes everywhere because we have you know, these giant plows that just torch all the asphalt. And uh, I watched a car, I'm pretty sure, break it, its axle this morning. The sound I could hear from my car made my insides hurt. Oh, no. And instantly the car just pulled over and the guy got out and was just staring at his car. I'm like, oh, shit. Thanks for letting me know that that's where that is. Did we really just kick us off talking about 
snow and driving and traffic and potholes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we did. So I heard, you know, True Minnesotans. we're going to get some, some snow coming here in the next day or two. Oh, you know, so there's. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. <laughs> well, uh, I, I feel like we, we have three voices talking and two of them, hopefully, you know. Uh, Charles, how have you been? Doing well. You caught me as I was puffing on my fine cigar. Oh, it's just yeah, I'm I'm great. What 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 do you got for the the cigar? Uh, this is a delightful illusione, the candela wrapper, the green cigar. My color is. I was just gonna say established. We're on brand. Episode. Yeah, I love these. They're just kind of like herbal. They're in terms of drawing smoke in your face. They're like light and refreshing. In oh, a nice. Sense. I, I've never heard of that paper, but it smells nice from here. Yeah. Uh, and I got tasty. a little Lancero of the Olivia Series V. Just a tasty little uh, robust flavor. Got some nice little vanilla notes in there, and I'm just mm -hmm. chilling on that. Uh, yeah. Hopefully you know my voice by this point, too, oh, Ben Quam. But uh, we have a third person with us. Surprise, surprise, yet another guest. Uh, I feel like you should introduce yourself to our lovely listeners and let them know kind of what you're up to and, uh, and, and where you're at. Yeah, well, I'm Abby Connor, and I work at CMG now, and I am a product manager there. I went from doing social media for BSG for a while and other things, amongst other things, and I'm brewing at Boathouse Brothers. I'm one of 26, I think now, women brewers here in Minnesota Amazing. out of, it has to be like over 600 at this point, uh, brewers total, yeah. probably more than that, way more than that. Um, but we're doing our next brew day next Friday at Blackstack. Uh, just doing all the beer stuff. I have a lot of children. <laughs> That's another thing. Um, so. Before we get to the lots of children, <laughs> uh, for our listeners that maybe don't know, um, don't know those companies, yeah. uh, could you explain a little bit more about what that is in the, in the beer world? Yeah, definitely. So BSG is Brewer Supply Group. Uh, we're a part of, they were a part of malt, um, bar malting and... Now I work for CMG, which is Country Malt Group, malting companies. We distribute all of the ingredients that you need to make beer and wine and all of the great spirits that you're drinking here today. Red. Yeah. Uh, how far out do, do, does, your, does the business go? Uh, Geographically. International. So. Uh, we've, got, we've got a lot of things going on. We've got um, different suppliers that are in different countries. We've got a couple other... Um, international things going on with our, our malting companies and whatnot. So, yeah. So cool. Yeah, pretty awesome. Do you know, I mean, and we can get into this a little bit later, but do you know how, uh, when we were talking about the numbers of, of women in the, the, the brewing side of things, how does Minnesota stack up versus the rest of the country? Does that seem to be? It's about the same. Okay. I feel like it's just generally, I mean, we don't make up a lot of the space yet, and we're, we're working on it. We started with, I think, 10 or 12 um, on our first brew day two years ago. So I think we're, we're getting up there. But the thing is, is that burnout is a real thing. And, yeah. and for any minority group in the industry or anywhere for that matter. But um, we're getting there. I think we're about the same. But, yeah. yeah. I, uh, there's still so much work. It's, it's uh, as somebody who just recently left the beer industry, um, it was nice seeing attention and focus starting to, to bend in that direction and new scholarships coming up and, and yeah. you know, new in incentives and new pushes. But it's such a long road. We dug such a deep hole, you know, yep. trying to figure out 
how to get out of it. Everybody wants the, well, we just do this and then it's done. And that's, that's not it. The, Absolutely not. Yep. <laughs> the cure as for most uh, endemic diseases is a long amount of treatment and a lot of hard work. Yep. Yep. And well, it's very rad that you're doing what you're doing. And Thank you. uh, it's, it's, it has been cool to watch some change happen. Uh, unfortunately, it seems like it's still at a glacial pace. Yes. I think it's speeding up a little bit. I think that we're getting enough, and maybe it's just me seeing a little bit more. Um, I was the DEI chair for just a little bit for the Guild, and, and speaking to the BCC and, and Brewer, Brewer, um, sorry, uh, Brewing Change Collaborative, mm-hmm. and speaking to other people around the country, I think that there is more movement, but again, it's not at the pace that anybody would want it to be, so... Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we should also acknowledge that you said there are lots of children involved. I have a lot of humans. <laughs> I made a lot. What is what is a lot? I, as somebody who doesn't have children, like a kid is like, oh, that's a lot of kid. Yeah, it's a lot of kid. It's a lot of human. I have three. Ooh. And sometimes when I'm just like putting out plates for supper, that's a very Minnesotan thing to say. Supper. Supper. Yeah. Supper. It is. Uh, putting those plates out and I will step back and I'm like, Oh, what did I do? Like, this is a lot of people to feed, (laughs) you know? So yeah. What's what's the age range? Uh, seven, 11 and 13. Okay. Uh, so my sister-in-law also has three children, uh, 12 turning 13, 11 and eight. And, uh, she wanted to get together with a friend of hers here in the city. And so my wife and I took all three of them and man, that is a, that is a very active age because, you're young enough that you still, like, they still crave show me what to do and let's do crafts together, let's do something. Um, but old enough that you can't, you can't do little kid stuff anymore. It has to be, like, aggressive. Right, right. <laughs> and that was, we had, a, we had a full day. You were probably very tired after yeah, that. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Not being used to that, but also they just kind of exhaust you, so. I had to try and figure out how to slow play. We, went, we took him to Dave and Buster's to start and to play some video games and win some so, tickets and such. A, a, Big thing to start with. Yeah, yes. yeah. Well, we thought maybe that would wear him out. Try to wear him down. No. Yeah, no, it didn't oh. at all. Um, Wound him up. up. Yeah. It's like Bogey <laughs> yeah. when he goes on a walk, he's more excited when he returns. Correct. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I also, like, oh, man, I had a blast. I, I probably, had I been by myself, I would have stayed for, like, another hour. Yeah, like, you're like, come on, I'm playing Turtles in Time. Right? Yeah. Like a time Crisis Do 5, let's go. <laughs> that was, it was a lot of fun. And then we, and then we went bowling. And then we watched. Uh, That's a lot. Nicholas Cage's day. National Treasure, oh. and uh, my niece's pick, and she loved it. So I love the fact mm-hmm. that she loves weirdo Nicholas Cage. <laughs> it's perfect. It's the fun <laughs> uncle effect. He had the energy for Seriously. it for one evening. For, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> one and then day. the next day, I watched football by myself. Uh, yeah. yeah, you had a child hangover and watched football laying on the couch. I'm sure. Absolutely. <laughs> With a herald. Um, well, uh, I guess we have we have a cocktail in front of us. Yeah. So uh, I tell I, us about it. I believe I spoke about it on the the show previously. Been teasing me with this for some time. Yeah. So I finally decided, uh, what the hell? I had beets left over from a salad. Let's let's make another round of this. So this is a clarified goat's milk punch with. Uh, How do mes- you milk a ghost? Goat. Oh, oh. <laughs> multiple goats. I've been hearing it wrong all this time. This is not. It's not single goat. I didn't go that far down the origin. Yeah. This, is, this is multiple goats. It's not your goat. It's not my goat. Okay. Um, made a clarified milk punch, and uh, it's mostly mezcal. It's about three quarters mezcal, one quarter tequila. Um, beets, vinegar, sugar. Uh, you let the vinegar curdle out. 
all the proteins in um, the goat's milk. And then I strained it through cheesecloth. And then I kept that because it was delicious. Yeah, goat ricotta. Yeah, beet-flavored goat ricotta with a little vinegar to kick up the acidity. Um, And then uh, I ran it through actually a coffee filter. And I can't decide... The last time I made this, I didn't do the coffee filter thing, so there was still a little residual like whey in there, and I can't decide which way I like more. Okay, I, hmm. uh, it looks way better like this. Right. It I was, was gonna uh, say when I saw the photo, yeah, and I that's why I kind of gave you the weird face. I'm like, is this something I'm gonna drink today? Because it looks interesting. Horrid. Yeah. No, it's mm-hmm. the the clarified it's not too milk punch. And it's not it's not too beady. Well, that's it yeah, kind of works. Good. Just together. enough goat and just mm-hmm. enough beet. That's right. You really, like, if you need more goat. You never want really too key. much goat. Never want too much goat. <laughs> yeah. In life, I mean, goat milk, I, goat cheese, all you eat is all the goat cheese, but you never want too much goat. That's fair. Yeah. Isn't that what they say? That's, it's an ages <laughs> old idiom. Is that a thing they say? Yes. <laughs> they for sure say Someone that. listening to this is like, that is correct. That is correct. Yeah. <laughs> I feel uh, like you did a good job, like, explaining this earlier, though, where it's like a good beet salad or, like, being in the field and, like, it's fresh cut grass yeah. and, like, just very, like fresh well i've been i've been racking my brain about it the first time that i posted a picture of this on my instagram um somebody texted me and asked well what does it taste like yeah and i was like i honestly have no idea and then um i brought it to our new year's day party our full ass party because there's no half-assing new year's day (laughs) and uh we were kicking it around and that was when um i can't remember who it was somebody was like oh it's literally it's kind of like a really good beet salad and especially if you have like some candied pecans in there or whatnot, that's the sweetness from the sugar. So it kind of, kind of all comes together. A vinaigrette. You know who'd like this? Who that? Nicole Crowder. Nicole Crowder would because absolutely love this. She says she likes beets in certain settings. Uh-huh. I think she'd like this. Marnie would like this too. And Marnie doesn't like goat cheese and she doesn't like beets. Ooh. But I think this is something that anybody can enjoy. It's not going to change their mind about those things. They'll probably think so. Like, yeah, maybe I like, uh, maybe I like goat cheese. And then they, they'll eat some goat cheese a couple weeks later and be like, mm, nope, nope, just kidding. <laughs> I think Nicole Crowder would dig it just off the color, like the way that she sure. sees the design. I think she'd and enjoy it based on, you know, she likes clean, nuanced beet flavors, not the earthiness. And yeah. there's not a lot of earthiness present in this. Yeah, it definitely like strains all that out. Um, and then we also have these cordial glasses. And what's in mm-hmm. those? I uh, even are know we all drinking what I'm drinking? Or are we. Oh, no, I don't have anything. I didn't pour anything for you. What, well, I'm drinking Suntory Toki. <laughs> yeah. Just for my myself. But yeah, we have some, uh, some whiskeys here this evening. I'm drinking some Toki after I, um, well, let me pour some right now and then I will, sure. then I will offer up topic number one. Uh, well, actually, while, we're, while he's pouring this, uh, you brought a beautiful bottle right there. Do you want to tell everybody I what did. you did? I brought, well, this is a fancier version of uh, Four Roses. Uh, it's a single barrel. Um, it has a meaning to me just because I have great friends. And as you noticed before, I said we when I was talking about BSG, just because I have a team there that I will forever take with me through my entire life as my best friend. So um, there was a lot of Four Roses that was consumed during CBC, which is Craft Brewers Conference last year was in Minneapolis. That was fun. It was a lot of fun. That took a year off my life. It took a lot of time off my life because there were a lot of four roses that were consumed during that. Um, and I think that even still, it was last week, last Friday, I texted Dawson, Michael Dawson, uh, Brewing TV's Michael Dawson. Ooh, we always have to say TV. that. Um, I texted him and just said, is it too early to drink roses at one o'clock in the afternoon? He's like, it's never, never too never. early. 
never too early. And so we call it Roses O'Clock. Is it Roses O'Clock yet? Yes. Okay, cool. I'm into that. You say, so. give me my flowers. Oh, yeah. Give me my flowers. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> we're, here you to, go. we're here to give each other our flowers. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm into that. <laughs> I, still, I still have PTSD 100% from the stress of uh, we rented out a music venue in town here called First Avenue, and we threw a concert there. And I honestly will die six months early because of the stress from that show. Yeah. That was, that was I insane. Imagine, well, I can, I can imagine because I was involved with that. And, yeah, it was a, it was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot. Um, yes. Four Roses for me, um, it came out, their national or international push came out when I was in Europe in 2007, 2008. And I thought it was so funny because I had never heard of it before. And here I am in Paris, France, and they had every metro stop just plastered with um, Mount Rushmore with all of the presidents with a rose in their mouth. And I thought it was the funniest, like, weird cash grab for, like, like, this is American. They love the flowers. They love their presidents. They love Mount Rushmore. Uh, Drink this whiskey. It's, It's fine. And then I came back, and it was, like, everywhere already so i missed mm. whenever they decided to put a bunch of money behind it i came home yeah it was, it was literally while you're gone yes. that week like, oh he's gone put it out put it out <laughs> but i like i made fun of it for an entire week thinking it was like a silly marketing thing and then i came back and it's turned into like one of the biggest uh uh bourbon families in the country regular four roses is a great cocktail bourbon absolutely it's very it, much it is. Uh, it's very malleable mm-hmm. homogenizes nicely with flavors yeah that's, we use that a lot in our house that's like our that's our de facto for uh, malt cider. You know, oh, yeah. Four roses in mm. there. You can't taste it. You get real drunk. Yep. Yeah. I, yeah. 100%. I actually, I've used that in, um, I mean, I guess it wouldn't be a big ginger because it's not Irish, but um, I've used that before in like a- like Rosy a, ginger. Yeah, a rosy ginger. Uh, mm-hmm. Ginger beer and a lemon and a lime and that. It's, the, it's just the right amount of sweetness. Right. It's got a little spice to kind of keep up with the ginger, but yeah. oh, it's so good. And that's I, that's why I told you earlier, basic bitch bourbon, because it's just you can <laughs> literally use it in anything. You can drink it neat. You can drink it on ice. It's just fabulous. It's nice nice so alliteration good. there, too. <laughs> yes. there's, nothing, there's nothing more fun than a BBB. B3. Mm. Let's get after it. Let's get after it. Topic cheers. Number A. Yeah, cheers. Let's, let's mm. do a cheers first. Yeah. So Suntory is also one of my favorites. So yeah. good call. So All good stuff. And I'm going to leave that bottle here at the club, and I will probably be the one drinking it every time I come here to you, Club Caraway. <laughs> what a perfect whiskey to go with cigars, too. Totally. Absolutely. Like, it's got sweetness. It's got a little smoke to it. Easy sipper. All right. So we all have secret snacks that we make for ourselves, Abby. Mm. Sometimes it's simple as, like, chips and cheese or dressing up ramen. What's a stupid, simple little treat that you make for yourself? said it though it's <laughs> chips and cheese like yeah <laughs> nachos are my jam and yeah. it doesn't matter what you put nachos or chips and cheese well yeah because so th- i was just gonna okay. say there is a delineation this is a fight in my household okay. with my wife. but like wait i'm, I'm going for okay. it nachos can be anything it could be anything and this goes way back to when i was a poor college student and i had yeah. nothing <laughs> and i was a vegetarian and all the things so like i would put anything on my nachos quote unquote mm-hmm. i'm doing air quotes with my fingers because you can put anything on there, and it's great. Well, you can't put anything on, but the, but you can put a lot of things on there and have yeah. it be nachos, and feel like you're bougie, 
AF. What are some toppings? I mean, you got to go with the run of the mill things now. I mean, I go all out. Mm. I'm, I, my kids actually kind of make fun of me because I make like a whole pan of nachos and it's heavy. Yeah. And I put like yeah. beef and beans and all the stuff on it now. Back then it was like a little bit of like fake beef, you know, whatever it was like Morningstar crumbles or sure. something. Yeah. And it was like great. only a little bit of cheese because we don't want to use all of it for the week, you know. And <laughs> That's a big money item. It is a big money item. Yeah. But I mean, I want everything on there. I, the only thing I don't want, I'm, I've always wanted to like olives, but I don't. And okay. I, even after three kids, I thought that would Olive, change it. Olives? No olives. Olive All olives. olives. Yeah. I'm not. All of olives. All of olives. My yes. favorite terrible pun is olive, olive, olives, which is I love all of olives. There you go. Told that to Marnie and she's like, just real bad. shut up, please. <laughs> real bad. <laughs> yeah. Stop it. That's why it's good. It's so bad, it's bad. <laughs> do, you, do you have any dippings? Do you go salsa do you go guac I mean, do you i don't know that i dip them i like to put everything on top ah okay so i do like cheese the meats or whatever you want to do and then queso Ooh. and then the lettuce and like cold items and then sour cream guac salsa all the stuff you just it's I mean, all it's right just there for the taking. ridiculous amounts of stuff thank you for being with me on the the crispy yeah. cool lettuce mm -hmm. on hot nachos is one of my favorite mm. dualities in flavors yes yes i absolutely love that not for yes. me that's like se that's seven layer territory for me but Ooh. i'll i mean i'll eat it yeah. it's just if i'm making the nachos just like a burger i don't want the rabbit food on there sure um, the tomatoes can manifest themselves as the salsa and or like, you know, a Rioja or like hot sauce or what have you. But I don't put lettuce on mine. And you obviously, Quam, don't put sour cream upon yours. I do not. Because you'd be away. in sour cream. Pointless dairy is not something I'm into. It's so good. What are you talking about? I, I don't. He doesn't care for it. Makes it like it. creamy and cool. I get I get why, but I'm there for the I'm there for the the sharp spice salt. Mm. I don't want anything that's just going to mute all the other flavors. Sure. Sometimes it cuts sure. into everything else. Yeah, it which just, to be fair is a reason that some people use sour cream or mayonnaise, which he also reviles. It's to cut heat. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, we Midwestern are from Minnesota people. after yeah. all. So right. Yes. I didn't realize, like as a kid, I refused to have like mayonnaise on a turkey sandwich or anything like that, yeah. but. I would use literally like like butter, and I didn't realize until I traveled internationally that oh, like that's very mm -hmm. normal for sure. Like a lot of other cultures do that. I yep. just didn't know anybody else in Minnesota that did that. Yeah, I mean in Lebanon, you know, I'm sure some people use mayonnaise, but mostly on your sandwich you spread some really good butter, yeah. and then you build the sandwich on that. Because that's if that's all you're looking for is just a little bit of fat to kind of keep everything a little bit. Together. Yeah, Keep together. <laughs> well, sometimes, I mean, let's let's call a spade a spade. A lot of people use mayonnaise so that the sandwich isn't a choking hazard Correct. for their child. Yeah. Because they have like four-day-old bread and the meat is conspicuous. And then you have your, <laughs> you know, cheese. Like that's not really. Yeah. I mean, let, lettuce and tomatoes and stuff can do that too. But it's like, okay, it's not a choking hazard anymore. We put some. We put some slidey stuff on there. That, <laughs> slidey stuff. You know what's funny? I, uh, that's actually how I got into tomatoes. When I was a kid, I used to think tomatoes were disgusting. And uh, I wanted to make a sandwich, and we were out of butter, and I didn't want to use mayo. And I was like, there has to be something that's actually a little bit wet in here. And we had tomatoes. And I'm like, screw it, fine. I like how you said got into tomatoes, yeah. like it's hip-hop or something. Yeah. We saw you guys about how I got into tomatoes. Yeah. I've been down with tomatoes since 93. Uh, but it was like, I ate the sandwich, and I'm like, oh, tomatoes are really good. And then from that moment mm. on, I was just fine with tomatoes. Mm. 
I was I was so anti tomato that I used to I would take a, a a nacho chip, tortilla chip, and I would just dip it sideways, completely vertically into the salsa, and then oh shake off the chunks oh, like Travis Kelsey in the commercials, yes. the uh, Ivy commercials. Correct. Like, and what now, are you doing, son? And now there's no salsa. The tortilla, the tortilla chip is literally that's just an edible spoon for mm-hmm. me to eat salsa with or guacamole. Yeah, like that's I'm but not sour cream. Not sour cream. Get out of here. No. Come a long way, and I'm proud of you. Little, little guy gets all grown up. Look at me go. We'll get to sour cream at some point in life. I don't know, man. We'll get into it. I, like, like a lime crema on something, like, mm. okay, I'm, I'm never going to go for it, but if it's part of the dish, fine. But just sour cream and a squeezy thing as an afterthought, get the fuck out of here. You ever do, uh, you know, this is a digression, but do you ever do the caviar with a ruffle chip or a little, uh, Jesus, why am I, why is the name slipping me? The little, the little pancakes. The little no. pancakes. What are those? Crepe? No, that you do um, caviar on. Oh, I don't. Jesus, what's wrong with me? <laughs> Anyways, do you ever do the creme fraiche treatment with caviar? Yeah. Okay. But it's because it was served to me like that. All, all of these things are just my personal choices at right. home. If, you, if I was at a, a shindig for you and, and, and Abby, you brought out a tray and that was on there, like I'm not going to be like, oh, absolutely. Well, I'm not going to serve nachos to you without sour cream. And that's totally fine. I'm just saying at some point you're going to realize that you're wrong that's just, about it. You know, so. I keep hearing that. The, there are, God damn it. There are, there are tens <laughs> of people out there that 100% agree with you that they're, mm. they're aching for the day that I come around on that. It's part of the reason I'm curious about creme fraiche because creme fraiche is approaching like mm-hmm. a creamy cheese. It's more flavorful mm-hmm. and it's smoother. I still wouldn't choose at, at home. All things equal, I would never put it on my. So if you did a caviar, not a you know not a caviar bump, but if you had caviar on something, what would you have it on? I mean, literally, Just like straight up on a ruffle. Or the last time that I had it, yeah, it was on a ruffle with creme fraiche, or and like then a little chive drizzled over the top, or something cooler like on an oyster. Yeah. I do have to say that I love that we went from nachos to caviar. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like, that's, like my, that's my, one of the subtitles of this show, actually. Yeah, I got, I got two, my snack I got of choice is, is nachos, and you guys are like over here with caviar. I'm like, okay. Yeah, give me my <laughs> flowers and here. from nachos... <laughs> To caviar. caviar. I did. I did. I do have to admit though, when you when you were transitioning off of nachos, I yeah. thought you were going to talk about um, a very midwestern treat, uh, the cowboy caviar. Of course. Uh, which is, if I if if I'm correct on this, uh, it's canned beans, canned tomatoes, canned corn, and uh, Italian dressing was how I was introduced oh, to ick. it. Is that, it's, it's not, not how I've ever had. It's it. not terrible, no. but it's not great. It's Italian dressing. Cumin. Yeah. I don't know what have have you, what is the version that you've had? I guess I'm more fresh than that, and I do frozen corn. <laughs> that's <laughs> way more fresh. All right, you're on it. Sometimes that's and the best choice. Happened. Sometimes that is the most mm-hmm. fresh well, choice here in the it's winter. It's true. Here in the Midwest, we yeah. only have a few months of fresh corn, but fresh corn. I use chilies in there. I oh, yeah. use green pepper, bell peppers. Um, yeah. I like to use some jalapeno, like fresh. Jala- fresh, fresh jalapenos are for sure are in great. there. Cilantro. But this goes back to, we were talking about lettuce on nachos. Mm-hmm. And different kinds of like crisp and crunch. Like there are those people who like really like mushy things and really like crispy things. I don't think I could eat all canned something or another. It's all mushy. Yeah. It's gross. Mm. It's not. It's not even great. with the chip. That's gross. I just feel like that was that was a staple at like every high school graduation party. Oh, of course. That was there was always like a bowl of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would yeah. always see like the little the little recipe card that would just say cowboy caviar, and I'm like, neither of those words have anything <laughs> to do with that bowl. I'm very confused. 
Because there are beans in it. I think <laughs> that that's, that's, that's fine. And seven layer dip is the mush effect because everything's soft. Very true. Yeah. So you probably don't like that nearly as much as you like no. No. nachos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really love seven layer dip either, actually. It, it's a weird thing because when I think about it, it doesn't sound good. But when it's at a Super Bowl party, I'll just like keep just dipping in there. Yeah. I don't know what it is about it. It's if you think of the, the the sum of its parts, it's not very satisfying. But I don't know. I just someone usually brings like a plastic tub and they're like, "I yeah. brought food." I'm like, "No, you didn't." No. And then I find myself eating a bunch of it. Like, why am I eating this? You can, you can actually stuff here. You can see all of your own ski trails through it. Like, yeah, each yeah. Of your, yeah. Right? dips through the fresh pow. Just breaking off chips in it, yeah. trying to get to the bottom. Yep. Well, then you got and then you got to go in and fish out the chip that you broke with another chip. You need yeah. a sturdy chip. Yeah, you need a sturdy. You need chip. a sturdy chip. You do. It's very true. Uh, oh, what up? My, uh, my, my go-to, and this is so lame, this is very kindergarten of me. Okay. Honestly, I love like a really crunchy, crisp apple and some peanut butter. Like it is my absolute so treasure. Good. And my dog will salivate all over the kitchen if mm-hmm. peanut butter is peanut out. Peanut butter. So yeah. the only time that I can really dig into that is if she is passed all the way out under the covers, my wife is sleeping. It's like my super naughty snack. Yeah. Like I literally like I tiptoe into the kitchen like, like shh. And I will to the point where I'll chop up the apple upstairs and then I'll just bring the peanut butter downstairs and I'll open it, scoop out enough for like one apple wedge and then close it up just in case she could smell it under the covers. <laughs> so it is because of our dog, Millie, who is wonderful and the best thing ever. Uh, because of her, I literally like, that's my naughty cheat snack. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, she doesn't know I have peanut butter. Um, and the other one uh, came up in a text thread uh, in, 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 in the before times, in my early 20s, in my nightclub days, uh, I had a very, very good friend who lived pretty far away. And if we would sit around and have beers while everybody was counting money, a lot of times people weren't good to drive home. Mm-hmm. And I lived in a pretty big apartment and we had three couches in the living room. Okay. Uh, very bachelor of us. Um, and I'd just be like, hey, I'd, rather than you driving home or trying to drive home, I'd rather have you just come over. And uh, Steve introduced me. I don't know if this is a thing that exists for anyone. I've never seen anybody else do this. But he called it Triscuit Nachos. And what you would do is you would lay Triscuits out on a a cookie sheet. And then we would do equal parts. We would do um, like cheese and jalapeno or mozzarella and pepperoni. Still counted as, for whatever Mm. reason, still called it a nacho. Yeah. At four in the morning, five in the morning, when you have a pretty solid buzz and all you want to do is go to bed... It is perfect. Yeah. So Tristan hold took, up. Yeah. You do, do you bake this? Yes. 100%. And they don't get super hard? Mm-mm. I didn't know you could bake a Triscuit. You, you have to watch it because they, they will get to the point where they'll you pull your them? teeth out. Uh, yeah. They, right. they already do, though. That's the thing. Like, I'm going to get to the like, – this is my sour cream get of it. crackers. Like, Triscuits are just, like, death. I'm sorry. But I feel like it's trying to make sure that your throat doesn't get – broken as you're eating them <laughs> no matter how much you chew them up how much you salivate it still feels like you're eating like steel wool that's like why just, you put the cheese on there because the cheese gets in all the interwoven crispy wheat bits just gets all in there and then you get it seems all. to be argued about sour cream and nachos but I just, okay, okay, okay. Are, we're on the same page, yes, we're on the same yes, page. Yes. that's another one of those foods where i don't understand why i like it because if you think about what it is or you eat one by itself you're like this is very satisfying but that's actually the that's the uh, the bread in ro- uh, road trip charcuterie uh-huh. when i make road trip charcuterie that's you know you can find that Correct. and i always get 
a box of Triscuits and then put cheese curds on it, uh-huh. whatever meat is there. Usually there's like some bad version of Genoa or something. You could put jerky on there if you want to be a real scoundrel. I, I like that you leaned in on jerky. Jerky. Like, sure. like that's a, again, mm. it gets its own hey man, aisle it's, at the gas station. It's $170 a pound. That you gotta, is true. That is true. It is. You gotta it think is it sounds sexy. Cocaine prices. Un-sexy. It's, it's, it's <laughs> eggs prices. Yeah. Uh, I, um, long, long time ago, like 50 episodes ago, uh, we had Amanda and Tina from the opera plot happy hour on. And yeah. Tina and I bonded over the fact that we both love salty snacks that sort of just dissolve in your mouth. Oh, God. And Triscuits, mm-hmm. if you chew on them for long enough, actually do that. So that actually, it mm-hmm. falls into that category for me. Of, okay, uh, it's a cutty snack, all right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get cutty over here. That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Charles, enlighten us with your... Let's go the beverage route. And this is a recent discussion. This is about a year ago I started doing this. What the fuck is that? Bev- we... Literally, Ben snack. and I just looked at each other. A like, beverage is what not a snack. You can't. I don't eat snacks. So the, the when you're like, I'm going to go to the fridge and grab a snack, you your don't come out with a beer. Life, that's it. You, you there's nothing that you've ever been like. I'm picking a beverage. You get to choose your own adventure on this program, and I'm oh, choosing my adventure okay. because it's it's actually kind of a fun <laughs> thing, and it's like a, I don't want alcohol thing, and you know I don't do a lot of okay. THC type stuff, um, even though I'm trying to explore more. But what I do is I take a little can of Dole pineapple. And then I charge up the um, soda stream uh-huh. and just, I make pineapple fizzy water. It's literally all it is, is a can of pineapple and fizzy water. And it's like the best pineapple soda you've ever had in your life without all the unnecessary sugar. Rings or chunks? Just the, the juice. Oh, the actual, yeah. like, just can of right. juice. Okay. Oh, I hold on, say. hold on. Maybe you could throw a ring in there, and then it would be a proper snack. Does that, <laughs> does that qualify? <laughs> well, that was that was, literally that was why I was going to ask. Also, mm. it's it's a wildly different juice. So I was just trying to picture what you were doing. Yeah, yeah and you just, just said like a, you said take a can of pineapple and whoop. charge it up. And so in my mind, I'm like, whoa, uh, yeah, dull pineapple. pineapple juice. Yep, dull pineapple okay. juice. Just like the little cans, mm-hmm. shake oh, it up, sure, pour sure. the glass, charge water, mm-hmm. fill up your glass on ice, and it's just like it's super satisfying. I'm going to try that. That's my, like, I do that with, with grapefruits at home. I'll cut a grapefruit in half. Yeah, you probably do it squeeze a half a grapefruit in there. That's my, that is my favorite beverage in my house, okay. period. I drink that more than anything else huh. that we have. Uh, to the point where, like, I feel guilty almost. Like, you come home with, like, a sack of grapefruits, and then you're throwing away, like, so much of it. But I juice the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. It's just, that's, Can that's what I Can you dehydrate it for something? Can you, like, do something with that? If if we have something coming up, I will. Sure. Um, I'll also zest the whole thing, yeah. and I'll use that for something else. Okay. But we um, we've just cut down drinking alcohol a lot in our house, so a lot of the fun cocktail projects just kind of go to sure. the wayside because a I don't want to be the only one drinking it, right. uh, and and b you know just trying to be a little healthier. Yeah. But I do. I would. There's never going to be a time that I'm like, oh, that's a snack. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. I mean, like. When I was a kid, when you're talking about peanut butter, when I was a kid, we would do, I'd help my mom bake flatbread. Mm-hmm. So probably my favorite little snack sandwich was flatbread with peanut butter, banana, and honey on it, mm. which is oh, super yeah. satisfying. So good. Those flavors yeah. go really great together. I mean, now the closest thing I come to snacking is dipping any vegetables that are in the fridge into some hummus. That's fair. You know, that's not, I mean, that's less exciting. Yes, I digest that in a different way, but it's just not... It's not that fun. 
Do you have a, a go-to, like, drink at home? Like, anything that you make? Um, not really. I mean, I, I'm just such a boring person. I just drink sparkling water. And I did just get a soda stream for Christmas. Do you so. put any, just straight up, just, just bubbles and water? Yeah. Sometimes some Centauri in there. It's, I, I do it, you know. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, like, I just, I love my water and coffee. I'm boring. Uh, can I can I go same? That's off. most of what I drink. I mean that that pineapple thing. I make that like once a month. But that's your snack, though. Yeah. I mean that's that's just that's cheating. Just day. snacking, just snacking. Mm, let's snack. <laughs> um, yeah, I say let's snack. Marty goes and gets her like sour cream and cheddar ruffles, and I yeah. make myself a juice charged water. She's like, you fucking idiot. <laughs> living on the edge, Charles. You're living on the edge. Oh yeah, let's get it. Uh, I'm going to take it off topic for one second because Charles and I had a discussion about this a few days ago and I want to know from somebody else if, if we're crazy or not. Are you a Dirty Martini fan at all? Not really. Okay, never mind. This won't apply. Well, We've been hey, talking about what it would I, taste like I if it was... I don't like olives. If that was, so oh, yeah. So that's not... I would love to. And that's the thing. Mm. Like That is actually the main reason why I would love to love olives. What if I made it delicious. with... What if I made it with homemade dill pickle brine and some Yeah, I would cheese? do that. Okay. Actually... No, check this out. Well, you, did you say specifically dirty martinis? Yeah. Yes. Because we have mar- we have a batch of martinis here at the club that I made like three weeks ago, and it's like the the classico with triple sec and orange bitters. Sure. And I bet you'd like that because it's there. I'm sure I would. No olive present. So I want to I want to carbonate it. Yeah. I want to carbonate oh, a martini. Yeah, that'd be good. Charles sent me an article, and I've been obsessed with it. Get a highball. And uh, former guest of the podcast and uh, champion of all things Beam Suntory, Melly Morozak, uh, said that she has a highball machine that we can use to try this out. So Wait, uh, where is it located? Uh, it's at a, a, a restaurant that doesn't currently have it, so I'm going to leave this off air. But we shall talk about it uh, post you say, you know, if it vanishes, it won't be me. Just Correct. Let's put that on yeah. record. Okay? There we go. I did not for sure. No. But the idea, like, again, <laughs> of record. changing the texture of something, I'm very fascinated by that, trying to figure yeah. out, like, does this actually change how I enjoy that? Right. And I had never thought, I've never once, in all the martinis I've consumed, never once did I think, I wonder what this would be like with bubbles. But I'm, ever since you sent that to me, Charles, I've been thinking about it, and we have a, we have a path to success. Uh, everyone that I've brought this up to is like, why would you do that? I'm like, never mind, you're not what? getting an invite. Okay. Sometimes the why is just like, because I haven't done it before. You know? It, yeah. It, it might suck, but it probably won't. It might be really awesome. And maybe that's the new way that we like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I know, I'll, I know I'll love it. It won't necessarily replace my standard protocol, but it sounds delicious. It's no pineapple soda water. No, it is not. not at all. Your go-to. It's no snack, you know? <laughs> it's no snack. snack. Still judging. Oh. I will forever judge that. It's okay. I've That's been, my I've favorite. Been judged. That's my favorite. God, <laughs> I love judged. that so much. <laughs> I'm being judged by many it's listeners. What right it is, now. like, the, you, Charles, you called it out. It's the, it's the duality of, like, Marty going and getting something delicious that you could just, like, go crisscross applesauce on the couch and just house in sweatpants while you're watching some trash TV. And then I just love the idea of you sitting next to you just like... <laughs> mm. mm. Oh, this juice has bubbles in it. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> <laughs> I'm seriously ragging my brain to think of like a snack that I eat now, even if I'm drunk. I just honestly, that's why I was surprised that you asked that question. Of like, dude, mm. are you trying to find snacks that you might be no, willing to try? I, just, I I didn't I didn't think that doesn't qualify, but I guess you know if you want to be semantic about it, well. 
think that you knew that we were going to be on the defense, though, because yeah. you like started no. off and you're like, mine is a drink. <laughs> like we both looked no, no. at each other like, the only, like that the is The only not reason I said it was a drink Cheater. is because you did not select a drink. That is literally the reason That's I said I've it. Ne- outside of a Montucky cold snack, I have never referred to a beverage <laughs> as a snack. <laughs> well, I've referred to more humans as snacks than I have beverages. <laughs> well, beer's a food product, so... Oh, God damn it. All right. Well, uh, let's see. Let's have a little little sip of something and we yeah. can move on. <laughs> Cheers to bullying Charles. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was amazing. Uh, all right. So we talked about it a little bit at the top of the episode, but uh, we have three people in this room that are related to craft beer from different angles. Mm-hmm. So uh, sales be damned. What is something that you would love to see become popular or go away? You can go either way on that. Um, in the beer world. Mm. Like, you don't have to worry about how to make it popular. Like, literally, you could just snap your fingers. That's all I can think of, though, because I'm in marketing. So it's so hard for me to think of, like, the stuff. And brewing, too. But I'm going to be the classic brewer in 2023 right now and just ask for clean, crisp beers without all the adjunct stuff for so many different reasons. And I know that there are so many, like, top of mind for me. But... Just flagship beers that are clean, crisp, easy drinkers, um, you know, your lagers, your, you know, oh, it's summer too. And I think that's another reason why I'm just dreaming of it. But I just, I, I, want, I want the new things to go away. And I feel like I shouldn't be saying that in marketing, but like I want all the big extra stuff to go away and for there just to be the easy. I... I'm in hundred percent agreement with yes. you. Yeah. Like, well, the good thing, the good thing for you is that it's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, we're yeah. seeing a lot more breweries uh, and consumers being more receptive to, particularly the lager segment is yeah. growing in leaps and bounds. And qual- like, breweries are making better ones too. Yeah. Like now that there's actually a focus on the quality, like just in 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 my travels, not just in Minnesota, but all the trips that Jenny and I have been on over the last couple of years. Like, everywhere I've gone, I've found at least one really incredible lager of some type that that's the thing that sweeps me off my feet. Yeah. And, of course, they're like, yeah, but try this and this. I'm like, I no, there's seven words on the front of this can. Right. I get it. Like, I'll have a sip of it, but I'm not going to drink a whole one of those. Right, exactly, because you can hide so much behind that. And I think as a brewer and in marketing, you can brew something – but it has to be so perfect in order for there to not be anything to hide behind. And that's the first thing that I order when I go to a brewery. It's a Pilsner, straight up, easy Pilsner if they have it on the board. And if it's good, yeah, I'll try the other stuff. But if it's not, like, I know what you're doing at this point. So, Do you have a lager style that you enjoy that is not in vogue and, you know, may not be or perhaps it will, will become more popular, something that you wish was more popular? I mean, honestly, I don't know. I feel like I love any Dortmunders. I love a good nut brown. Mm. I love, you know, a good Maybach. But again, I'm dreaming of summer right now. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's anything that is clean and crisp and easy. So, Where you look at it and it just looks like the sunshine that you're sitting in. Yeah, and yeah, you know, and we know those breweries that have those, and I will continue to go there just yeah. because I know. Yeah. But it's, I hope that that's 
where we're headed. And it's something that I've been hoping for a few years now. But I think that with the increase on import malts, and I think that we're going to try to cut down costs and we're going to go with the flagships and we're going to try to do the more easy stuff. That's I hope. I hope. That's probably I love what I'm that. hoping for. Charles, what about you? Um, I, it, you know, something I've been touting for a while and I feel like it's going to happen. I've been saying it's going to happen for a long time, but it, it's, it's probably still a ways off, but uh, quality over quantity on yeah. um, ear lists. Yes. Just, yep. I think that consumers are <laughs> disenchanted with uh, having so many options set before them and they don't know what to order. And then, you know, you're cannibalizing yourself when you make, sometimes you make 11 of a style that, and they all taste quite similar or you can't yep. distinguish them, distinguish them via your, your packaging or your marketing. Um, I think that's, that's a big problem and it's going to become a bigger problem. I'm just finding through what I do for a living that people are just, being um, victim to uh, option paralysis. It's just you walk into a brewery and they have 30 beers on yeah. and you're standing in line and they're like, order. And you're like, I don't know. They all just have funny names and I can't tell what they taste like. And I don't yeah. want to ask too many questions because I can only ask you about two out of the 30. So it's still my prevailing belief. And I've been saying it, I'm going to continue saying it, that the brewery of the future is going to have between two and six beers and just do them yeah. really well. And they're going to exactly. be much smaller, much smaller footprint. They're just going to be really good at a handful of beers. Yep. And I really look forward to that day because that's, you know, what's old is new again. You look at Frankfurt, Germany. You're not walking into a brewery in Frankfurt, Germany and finding 30 beers. You're not walking into a brewery in Frankfurt and finding, in almost any of them, I'm certain, eight beers. You're finding two, four, six beers. Um, and I... I I would like people to be, or breweries to be more focused on what works and what you're good at. It's akin to barbecue. When you open a barbecue spot, get the first thing right before you make nine things. Correct. Exactly. That's why yep. you get bad barbecue on day one is because someone tries to perfect everything and all those things are so finicky. You need to be able to do that first thing properly. That's what I loved about Animales here in the Twin Cities mm-hmm. is when they launched, they had a very tight uh, menu and they worked really hard on getting their salt and pepper ribs right. And the sausages that they had were made by uh, another local purveyor. They probably worked on the recipe with them. And it's sausage. And then from there, they built out their menu. And now they have a vast number of offerings. But we're, what, four years along in, in their existence? Five years, perhaps? So I, I think that that's a similar thing. And I'm not necessarily saying, like, start with two and then build your way to 13. I think that you could build a brewery, new breweries today are, it's very difficult to succeed, but if you had a brewery and you're like, you know what, we make three things and we make them really well and we're going to sell a fuck ton of all three of them. I think that that's a greater path to success than saying all things to everybody. Like you want a sour, you want an adjunct stout, you want to like, you want lager, you want hazy IPA, you want a West Coast IPA. Like trying to do that is a ambitious task. And also you can't market to anybody. If you're all things to everybody, you're nothing to most of those people. It's like trying to please everyone all the time. They'll never really know who you are. Yep. So I think exactly. that that's my, my, my big one. Um, the other, I guess the other thing, it's a small thing, but I wish breweries had more personality of their own. And I see it more when I'm traveling. And sometimes I'm encumbered with like people that I work with where we're not allowed to have like too much of uh, a voice. But 
almost all the breweries, I'd say 90% of the breweries in this country are metal and skulls honoring historical beer tradition or skateboards and 90s hip hop. That's like 90% of the breweries in this country. Mm -hmm. It's okay to stretch your legs and try to be something else. And I'd like to see more like personality and understanding who the people behind the brewery are instead of sort of um, trying to cater to who you think might be your target consumer and then having this like disingenuous image. Not to say that there aren't breweries that were founded upon a bunch of metal dudes who love metal album art sure those those exist but if you go to true in denver yes they live that ethos like absolutely like that is true's true's tap room is what i wish my bedroom was when i was 10 that's that's (laughs) what i characterize their tap room as yeah that's that's so legit that's just uh yeah I, I agree with you 100% mm-hmm. on that, that last chunk. I fought that fight fruitlessly for years um, where if you really want to, to get, your, get your brand into the hearts of people, they have to know who you are. Yeah. And every year that goes by, we focus on that more. Like who are the people behind what is exactly. getting made? Yes. And it's, yep. like, it's like everybody just pushes their fingers farther into their ears. Yep. And they say, no, 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 no. What, the... the the influencers trend is doing this. We just have to get in front of these people. Nobody has any idea who you are. But at the same time, there's something to be said about the the group of people, and it's been going on for ages now, um, but the group of people who started the beer industry or have made it flourish the way it has, I feel like a lot of us are just from the crowd that wanted to belong at some point. Yeah. You know, and I feel like a lot of us were, are, I'm pointing at myself, metalheads, and, like, it still continue to do that, but at the same time, like you, it, it, like you said, you just should be yourself, mm-hmm. and, and it's something that we talked about at BSG three years ago, and my first position there is that at some point, and we didn't know COVID was going to happen at this point, but at some point, people are going to, it's going to be so saturated, mm-hmm. and they're going to be, you can, one block away, there's going to be another brewery, but it's going to be so saturated that people are going to start looking at what that brewery is doing. Correct. And now after Brianna Allen, like all of the things happen, we really are looking at mm-hmm. what is behind the brewery and what you're doing. And if you're putting your money where your mouth is, and I'm going to go back to like, I, that should have been my first answer is that, that people are really actually doing what they say they're going to do and making things better. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's no longer just about being the coolest and the newest that you you've got really good beer and you're doing good things. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, I don't want to mirror your answer to start it because I, I, there's nothing I love more than a beautiful crisp, like Pilsner, uh, a sooner Kolsch is still like, if I had to have one beer and that mm, was going to be it, that's probably so what I would get. Yeah. Um, but I will say, um, this, this idea popped into my head, oddly enough, not from beer, but from the, the, the push that a lot of breweries are making into um, like hop waters. Mm. One of the things that I was always really frustrated about when I was still on the bar side was people who had one sip of one IPA one time and then they say, I hate hops. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful and varied plant. Um, I love that, uh, that now people are coming out, not just with, with hop waters, but now individual hops in waters and you can taste the difference in all of them uh just casually sitting at a table uh last week 
I got to have a conversation with two complete strangers who were very, very novice to the, the beer industry and kind of came in and you could just see the, the option paralysis, to use your term, Charles, like come over them. And they just kind of froze. Oh. And really, I was just trying to get around them so that I could order something. But then you know, I was like, well, maybe I can make it a little less scary. And we had like a three-minute conversation. And then we talked about like the hop waters and, and whatnot. And they had one on tap, poured one, just so I could kind of explain a little bit better. Like, this is what I'm, I'm saying it tastes like, but see what it tastes like to you. And it was once they understood the flavors that brewers are trying to get out of those hops. All of a sudden they're like, okay, well, what beers are those in? And it's like, well, it's these three for sure. And then I think that one, oh, okay. And then they both tried samples of two of those beers and they're like, oh, wow, I wouldn't have ordered this, but now I, now I get that. And I think we've been woefully negligent. I've talked about it too much on the show about uh, education on quality and teaching people actually what good beer is, not just what the most expensive, crazy, high ABV thing is. And I like that that's an easy step. It's an easy window into that and maybe makes hops a little less scary for somebody because it's, it's a lot to try and take in mm -hmm. if you haven't had a background in beer. Yeah. And anything that we can do to show people a little bit more of the intricacies involved, I think is always going to benefit because when we put the knowledge in the hands of the consumer, they'll make better choices. So if we take the time to help people learn and don't make it, uh, don't make it seem like it's our arrogance, like we're not, the, we're not the holders of the knowledge. If we make it seem like it's a little bit freer, we can level the playing field a little bit and make people feel like they're a little bit more intelligent in the decisions that they make. Or not even intelligent, they're just more knowledgeable. Sure. The other side of that coin, which is equally important and isn't necessarily a counterpoint, is we're getting better, particularly it's something that I, I'm very proactive about with my partners. We're getting better at uh, describing flavors and not overwhelming people and making them feel stupid if they don't know what something is. There's a lot of new hop technology where we're running into issues where, for instance, we have a beer coming out this week at Falling Knife that has freeze-dried fresh hop. It's right? so fucking good. So like, how do you explain that to somebody and we had a deliberation regarding, do you try to say that right on the menu board or do you make it like a marketing explanation on social media and a service thing? So all these new technologies, like you, you want people to know what they're tasting, but you don't want to put all these like weird characters and words on the menu because almost no one's going to order something just because it looks fun and new. They're going to want to know why it's there and what it means. And sometimes that means not ordering. Yeah. When you put so many options mm -hmm. yeah. and so many words on your menu, people sometimes feel overwhelmed and they feel like they're not qualified to participate. Yeah. So the education component is, a, it, it's, it's something that is important, but also for lack of a better term, dumbing down what you're telling them they're going to have and then using it as a service opportunity to explain why it tastes the way that it does. Do you, when you see a ridiculous explanation of a beer or a wine or, or a cocktail when, when they're using the most insane, like ridiculous terms to explain the taste. Do you, do you like roll your eyes at that or are you interested in that? I, I mean, from being from the beer industry, I'm like either way. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, come on, you guys, like you don't need to do that. You know, like don't, nobody's going to understand what you're, 
talking about, you know? And other ways, I'm, there are some things I'm like, I've never heard of that before. Like, let me try it. But at the same time, like, do you want, like, a, a fixed menu where you get to actually experience it? Or do you want the Shit's Creek, like, fold out eight different yeah. pages, you know? And that's that's where it's, like... I mean, I, I do roll my eyes a lot, but I, that's just judgy old grandma over well, here. It's just. I, w- I, I, I will try and find this picture. If I can, I'll send it to Charles and we could, we could put it up. I took a picture at a menu. Uh, I was recently, well, not super recently, but I was in the South and uh, I was at a brewery and the description on one of the beers uh, was, it, the end, it ended with, with notes of fruit leather made with, Peaches raised in the Georgia sun, picked on a hot August day. I was like, "Get wow. the fuck out of here!" That's a great. That's a great way of describing something in a book, yeah. but on a menu, I'm like, "That is, you don't, you don't." I'm sorry, we don't need that. They're See, also combative said- elements. Fruit yeah. leather and then a fresh Georgia peach. Yeah. Yes, okay. exactly. Like, but also, if I sat down, I'd be like, "Wait, wait, I need to know, did this actually get picked on a hot August day?" And I, How can you prove that to and me? And I, I pushed I back know. on it, and they said, no, it's just notes of that. Like, if you imagine what that would yeah, taste no. like. Right. And I, I was like, know. the point of fruit leather is that you preserve the stuff that you can't eat while it's fresh. <laughs> like, the, the, it, ugh, it made me so mad. Yeah. And then I still ordered it, and it was fine. They was, it literally tasted like they, had, they spritzed a little, like, peach schnapps in it. That was, sure. that was what it tasted like. There's no leather. Uh-huh. There's no... I didn't feel the sun on my face. But I... I I see every now and then when I'm out, you'll see a description like that. You know, like, oh, the flavor of, of freshly ripe cloudberries picked north of the tree line. You're sure. like, but that, okay, but like, do we need yeah. to put the north of the tree line? But also like coming from marketing, like you have to think of fresh things that aren't the same damn thing over and over again. Well, and that's my question too, is like, is it cheesy real fast? Am I just a jaded asshole who spent way too long writing no, menus because in I'm the, the industry? Same way. Yeah, exactly. Like I've, I know what you're doing. Yeah, like, it, it has to translate. That's really the only thing is it has to yeah. mean something to the person that is absorbing the content. So finding, yeah, new and interesting ways, especially when you have a lot of hazies, which, you know, for instance, a partner of my client, Falling Knife, we have lots of them, and we have to find new and interesting ways to describe flavors. But sometimes there's redundancy, and it's because it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're saying yep. you're deriving citrus notes or like uh, mango or, you know, a peach or something from a hop you're you're using that that frequently and then you have to find some other derivative to like Mm -hmm. make it seem like it's not just like the beer that's you know three boards down other than the abv so that can be challenging but if you reach too far then you're you're risking pretension i really want i really really want a hazy fruity ipa called fizzy pineapple snacks (laughs) (laughs) and falling knife so bad (laughs) Like, okay. like just a bunch of like, like galaxy in there and just, just really just bring out yeah. all of those tropical notes. It's six syllables. So it just barely qualifies right? by, by branding yeah. standard. I was, I was trying to do my, my haiku math right there. And I'm like, I think that works with Charles's. Yeah. Six format. max, six max. We'll make it happen. It'll you happen. Get, the beer coming out this week is video synthesis. That's six syllables. That's fun. Mm-hmm. I also know like that it's a flower that's uh, getting its photosynthesis from an old TV. That's, that's the illustration. God, you do cool shit. That's <laughs> fucking brilliant. It's fun. I love the illustration we came up with, too. <sighs> you can see it on Falling Knife's page this week. Love it. Well, cheers to all of you cheers. beautiful peaches that were picked 
in a uh, hot August day. I need a booze. I drank all of my boozes. Um, I get some powers. Kenny yeah, powders. Powers is going to be the that's going to be the chillest one. Kenny powders. I can't see the word powers without thinking of Kenny powders. You gotta. <laughs> uh, so this is the last bottle of my original Three Swallows Powers stash. I'm going to give that at least three swallows. Yeah, we uh, we saved that. And my wife and I decided that this was the this was the drink of choice when I met my wife, and uh, the first time I fell in love with her, she swore at a bartender about whiskey, and it made me just absolutely swoon. And Powers was our jam, and uh, they changed the bottle, they changed the formula like six years ago, and we went through and bought up every possible bottle that we could of the original, and this is the last one. We said we were going to crack it when something momentous happened. And uh, we cracked it when, um, when the election was certified for Biden. And it's been open long enough now that it's, I'm worried it's going to start to oxidize. Yeah. So I thought, what better way uh, than to pour it out with some wonderful friends well, and, uh, and, and drink it together. Love it. And having recently been in Ireland, I have a, a newfound love for all of the Irish whiskeys. Mm, so good. Mm-mm. Well, cheers to that. Yeah. My Irish whiskey of choice. Powers. So All right. Am I up? Yes, you are. Okay. Oh, this is a cell phone etiquette question. Oh. It's quirky, but something I think about. So there's two types of people in this world. People who keep their phone on mute all the time or people <gasps> who keep their volume on. Mm-hmm. So... Which one of those people are you? And do you have any other unique cell phone habits? Like, do you answer calls anymore? Or do you make people text mail you? I never have my phone volume up. It's yeah. always vibrate. Um, my oldest always gets mad at me because I <laughs> don't answer after, like, a certain amount of – I'm, I'm grandma. I go to bed at, like, 930. So after that time, like, you have to come and get me. You can't just text me if you need something because yeah. I'm not going to answer. I'm dead to the world at that point. <laughs> Um, I am not somebody who I've had coworkers who have their volume up and it's like chimes and this song and it's every five minutes, like consider other people. Oh my God. So no, I don't talk on speaker when I'm, you know, talking to somebody and I don't like to talk on the phone, like text me. I don't need you to just text it to me. Yeah. I don't, unless it's very important. We need to actually have a conversation. No. Just text it to me. Increasingly common as yes. the years go by. That's yes. just the yep. kind of, that, that is the, the standard etiquette yep. in society. I'm militantly phone on silent. I am aggressively phone on yeah. silent. I will very, very sarcastically say, you know that you can put it on silent in public to anyone <laughs> whose it. phone goes off. Because it's always, <laughs> the people who have their phone on loud are also the people who don't realize their phone is ringing. And I'm baffled by that. Yeah. Like you have your ringtone, especially when it's like a unique ringtone and they'll be going off and they're just looking around and everybody can tell the sound is coming from. They're like, Oh, yeah. that's me. Like, Holy shit. Yes. Of course it's you. You're the only one that has that. Yeah. I, Ooh, that drives me crazy. Uh, people, especially like, okay. So I spent a lot of time in the car over the last seven years as the, the sales guy for two different breweries, one of which was two hours plus away. Uh, so a lot of windshield time when you're in a car with somebody else, and you're the passenger, and you're texting with somebody, and you leave your volume on, 
that is Why almost is that, necessary? that is almost I leave you on the side of the road. Like I am <laughs> whatever we're listening to is the thing that I want to listen to. If we're having a discussion, that's what I want to be talking about. The ping. No. Unconscionably angry. Like yeah. I, I I see red. Like mm-hmm. it's it's bad. I can't I can't stand that. I am not anti phone call, however, if there's a point to it. If it's the, I don't know, I was just driving home. I was wondering what you're up to. Nope. I, sorry, I'm yeah. busy. I will invent something immediately. Or like yeah. a, this could have been a text mm-hmm. situation. But do you like to speak on the phone with people? Like yeah. a friend? Like have a conversation on the phone? Yeah. Okay. Like I'll, I'll have, uh, I actually, um, when I was driving around today, uh, I had been trading texts back and forth with a friend of mine who has a newborn baby. So his hours are just drastically mm-hmm. shifted from mine. The time that I think to text him is at like 10 or 11 at night. Right. And then I know he's out, but then he'll text me back when he like gets up to feed the baby. So I'll get a text at 3.30 in the morning, which I don't see until 7. And then I'm like, oh, he's probably back asleep now. So every now and then, if I know that there's a window, I'll, I'll call yeah. just to be like, hey, by the way, like, are you good? Your last text, I couldn't quite read what, what that meant. That kind of stuff, absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll still, not all the time, but I'll still try and, check in with my mom and dad every now and then because it's just, it's easier. Sure. Yep. Um, they like that too. Yeah. They really do. Yeah. Um, and then there's, there's a, a few friends of mine that live either out of the country or out of the state mm. where I don't get to go meet mm. you. And so every now and then, like not all the time, but like every two or three months, there's a phone call there because I need, that's not necessarily like, I just want to talk to you. It's like, phone I or, just phone or FaceTime. I was going to say, that was I'm the best thing a, to come out of the pandemic for me was that you could like, have a happy hour with somebody. Having a happy hour, having wine with my friend in Florida. I need to be better yeah. about that. Cause okay. I think about it. It's when, when I'm in the car, that's usually when my brain is like, what else could we take care of right now? Yeah. And that's usually when it comes in, it's like, Oh, I have 25 minutes. I should totally call Shannon sure. and just see how things are yeah, going in LA. Different. That's like, that's where it'll, it'll pop in or, um, stuff like that. But yeah, I, um, for a long time, actually, my, my closest group of guy friends, we all live in the state, but two of them have kids. One of them still in the service industry. The odds of us actually being able to get together, the four of us, pretty rare, but we can figure out like a week out, Hey, a Thursday at five o'clock and then we'll hang out. Everybody pours a drink. We go around and talk about what each other are drinking. And I love that. That's, that's fantastic. But yeah, it's like, if you're going to get a phone call from me, I have to like really know you or something has to be super wrong, yeah. whether it's work or, yeah. or, you know, somebody's in the hospital yep. past that. Like, no, we're, we're, we're good. Like, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty solid way to put it. And honestly, to everyone out there, if you're ever, ever hanging out with somebody else in a confined space, just put your fucking phone on silent. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Oh, yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm a forever muter. I've been doing it for a really long time. I feel like it's pretty common now, and it, it, it's a good thing. I don't mind if someone has a phone that actually rings. One of the nicest things about the Apple Watch is that that has, like, a little vibrate. You can put it on the, this minimal vibrate. So if I get a call or something, I know it's coming in because I just get a little buzz on my wrist. So that's kind of a nice component and doesn't bother anybody. doesn't even bother me if I don't want it to bother me. In regard to talking on the phone, I used to love talking on the phone, just like having a conversation with a friend. These days, locally, I'd rather see somebody, you know, this is, I don't see my friends enough, even though I see my friends a lot. I'd rather see them. Uh, Sometimes I think, but but of course, like, 
the video call with someone who lives out of state. We were just visiting my brother-in-law and his fiance in Atlanta. Uh, we do happy hours with them where we do the video call and, you know, kind of feels like you're in the same room. It's really nice. Sometimes we drink the same thing. That's, that's super nice. I'll say for me, I could maybe be better about calling people when I have too much to say because I am a spastic texter, but I have to weigh in my brain whether they should read it in their own time or if I should call them and they're like, oh, I can't take a phone call right now because a lot of people are like, why are you calling me? But sometimes I'll text Quam when I am having a brainstorm um, a, you know, a lightning bolt hits me at the top of the head and I got all kinds of shit that I want to tell him. And I just send him like four super long texts. And I'm like, I don't know what he's doing right now. He can read this in his own time. It might be equally or just less or just more annoying than being called right now. Mm. But that's the way, that's the way that I communicate. I just send waves of like long texts. And then I'm like, I don't care when you respond. And then the last thing I'll say in terms of phone habits is almost all of my apps are not allowed to notify me. Yeah. I have, I only get notifications really from delivery apps. So like my shop app, I want to know if something's at my door or on the way, but beyond that, I don't want Facebook or Instagram or anything else to tell me that someone commented or messaged me. I will find it today, probably very soon. You know, I check Instagram pretty frequently. There's rarely a fire that needs to be put on a fucking Instagram. And I even turned off during the lockdown, I had to turn off notifications for Slack yeah. because it was driving me fucking mm-hmm. crazy. I was getting Slacks at like 11 p.m. And then I have this, I'm an empty boxer too, like zero, there's zero notifications on my home screen for any of my apps, including my email boxes. I'm like, I got to get on top of stuff when it hits me. And I don't want to get a Slack at 11 p.m. or a work email for that matter, even though when I get those, I respond to them. But usually if someone emails you at midnight, there's a, probably a decent reason for it. Right. But I don't want to have to respond to, to a work slack in the middle of the night. So that shit got turned off. I was like, Real not quick. doing it. I know the precedent was set, but you're going to have to get used to the new precedent. That little green light's not on. Leave me alone. Yep. The series of texts, I will just say, from, from friends of mine, not just you, Charles, but my friends that do that, and I know that I do it too, I love it because you can kind of see the way your friend's brain is working. Yes, exactly. Like how you choose to parcel out yep. what you're sending chunk by chunk. Yeah. I feel like I actually get a better handle of what's going on inside your head maybe yes. than I would from a phone call. Yep. So I love that. I think that's great because, I mean, maybe it's just me being an avid reader. Like I just, yeah. I love that. Like, oh, now I get to get inside your brain and, and see yeah. how this is working. That's rad. But also like, and you are going to hate this because I'm on your podcast, but like I'm really good at putting my foot in my mouth <laughs> and being on the phone. Like I get really nervous that that's going to happen where I can write a text yes. and I can be like, that's not what I meant, you know, like, and I can go back and erase it and be like, okay, that's <laughs> what I meant. And even though that. it's, it's a good long chunk of things, but like you can read it and get into my head and like understand what I'm saying. Absolutely. And and I don't have to like backpedal like being like, wait, 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 in my real words here that, yeah, yeah, it's great. I don't know. I like that. I like having those conversations with people. And like as a mother of three people and not having a ton of time to talk on the phone and a ton of time to even be out and about as much as I would like to be. It's nice to be able to have those conversations and be able to be like, have a deep relationship with people. Um, even though I don't have time for it all the time. And I, I definitely love that. So, you know, you actually just hit on something really great. Um, one of the, one of the things that I, I actually learned from a few friends of mine and it's become one of my favorite things that I incorporate into my life is 
I don't have time to check in with like people that I care about, but maybe aren't like super close. I don't have time to like have like a 45 minute conversation about everything in life, but every now and then just being like, Hey, I heard this song and I thought about you. I hope you're doing great. Like just wanted to say hi. And then like, then you'll get something back similar. And you know, if you have time, you can text back a little bit. It's like, it's like carving out the greatest, the greatest part of social media Mm -hmm. where you can keep track of people that are maybe outside of your normal orbit and just let them know that you care about them and, and get the same back. Like, I think that that's very important. People I think it doesn't occur to a lot of people and it's not out of negligence. It's just sometimes people don't think to do that. I, I do check in with people I haven't spoken to in a while. Like, Hey, I was thinking about you. Hope you're well, you know, let me know if you want to get a coffee soon. I do that a lot. Even as we were sitting here before Abby showed up, we were talking about this new chill state proposition and Robin Shellman mm-hmm. is, you know, commandeering it. And I, I love him. I worked with him at better beer society and I haven't seen him probably since my wedding and I just sent him a text. I said, A, congrats on the new gig. B, you're coming on my co- podcast. And C, I miss you. Like and a, D, sorry you're stuck with Quam. Yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe I'll send him that later on. Uh, for all of our listeners out there, uh, Chill State is a collective that's spun out of uh, Fair State Brewing's uh, co-op collective, uh, a brewery here in town. They're a distribution company that's dealing solely in non-alcoholic THC beverages. Uh, and they just literally launched, uh, as we're recording, they launched yesterday. So it's uh, something so cool exciting. and new, yeah, in town. Super exciting. But yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, as, as, we, as we grow, sometimes it's, it's just nice to get old school and check in with people. It is. And I think that that, so I'm, I'm one of those people that I adore that. I'm a words of affirmation person. And yes. I absolutely love it when people... Even just a, hey, thinking about you. Mm-hmm. Man, it right. just like Absolutely. makes my entire day. It's yeah. the best. And it doesn't take a 45-minute call. And I don't think it just doesn't, it doesn't even take 45 seconds to say that. And I, it's, it's, it's a pretty big thing. As somebody who does that like several times a day to other people, it's like, <laughs> make sure to do that. Yeah, when you, yeah, when you get a package, you love, it just, feels good. It does. Just a right. reminder, like those of us that are sending that out, it's usually because that's our love language. Yeah. And, uh, and hey, it feels good. So speaking of feeling good, cheers to a little whiskey. Cheers. cheers. Oh, it's a me. It I is a you. My phone, go to sleep. Uh, all right. <laughs> uh, so we love to explore on this show, and sometimes we have to push our own boundaries when it comes to our palates. And you can use palate as loosely as you want. Um, what is something that you thought you were going to dislike or hate that you actually ended up loving mm. when you tried it? And it's not olives. Well, it's not olives because I would love to love olives, but <laughs> yeah. I can't love them. Well, while you're thinking for a second, my wife is the exact same. Yeah. And one of the most, like, when I think about what a good heart she is and what a good human she is, one of the things that I always come back to was half of our honeymoon was in Marrakesh, Morocco. And every single restaurant makes their own olive tapenade. Mm-hmm. My wife hates olives. She has a t-shirt that says, fuck olives. Like, she hates <laughs> olives. I love it. And every single restaurant served olive tapenade with fresh bread. And every single restaurant, she sucked it up and she tried, tried it, like, yeah. a couple times at each restaurant <laughs> just to see if she could get there. And I thought that was such a valiant thing yeah. for somebody that so openly hates them. I would love to love them, yeah, but I don't. But it's not. And this is going to be like a thing because I am the Minnesotan, but I did not think ever 
and I love seafood, but oysters would never be a thing that I would like. Finally was talked into it, and now it's like the happy hour thing. And like as yes. soon as I sit down at Smack Shack, I want my wine and I want my oysters and I want to go there. What's so, what? What is the wine that you pair with it? Do you, do you have a, a specific style? I only style? ever do, and I think it's only because I don't actually say anything there. They just pour. I mean, I love my Sauv Blanc, but mm. they know as soon as my ass hits the chair that I need a Sauv Blanc in front of me, love and it. I don't even know what it is. It just mm-hmm. no. It's I, literally. It, I was Taylor just for what style. pours it, and it's it's there, and it's so yeah, good. East Coast oysters, and they know what I like, and yes. and that's what it is. So. That's yeah. great. That is definitely one of those, uh, you know, things that people learn to love. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone loves an oyster the first time they taste one. It's pretty rare. Yeah. yeah. It's like sushi. It's an acquired yeah. taste. Because I yeah. think most people, when they first eat sushi, they're like, oh, no, it's raw, it's slippery, it's going to make me sick. And so the first time you bite into it, you're already expecting that you're not going to enjoy it. Similar dynamic, I think, with oysters for a lot of people, especially because... You look at it and you think about what it's going to feel like in your mouth. And guess what? That's what it feels like. That's the difference. Like sushi's a, sushi can be made at least pretty. Like an oyster, sure. like you look it at looks that. Like a like, yeah, it absolutely looks like that's yeah. something that you should be scraping off the side of a boat. Yeah. Not putting into your mouth. Or it's on but the sidewalk. Also like, you step yeah, over it. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that guy's really sick. If we talk about textures, though, mm-hmm. and you know that you don't like, absolutely do not like that. Like I like my crunch and I like my crispy. Like I need to have that. I don't want an oyster. And mm. then I finally had him like, okay, I'm fine with it. That's oysters. pretty awesome. Like, I'm good. I'm fine. Let, like, me a- let me ask you, you folks, a follow-up question. Do you bite your oyster or do you swallow it? Depends on how big it is. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. East okay. Coast are far smaller. Yeah. And I think that's why I like them because I don't have to, like, go and, like, I don't know. I do, like, a, a couple, like, uh, oh, it's in my mouth. Uh, like, chew. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. And then. Then it's down. Like but I, didn't know, like, I didn't know people just swallow them. I, I want to eat it. I like, a, sure. like a like a Kumamoto from Japan. They're, they're teeny. Like there's that to me, I'll let it roll around on my tongue a little bit and then I swallow yeah. it. Like a big fucking fatty from to. the West Coast. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to chew that because that's a, that's, a, that's a big swallow. Mm. Okay. Yeah. It's a big ask. Yeah. I, I okay. chew them all. But then, so I started this. What, what accompaniments do you put? I mean, do you use horseradish? Do you use... None. Oh, Third show nothing. in a row, champagne. Just champagne. Oh. Yeah, it's so fucking good. Yeah. I might do a little lemon over the whole tray, yeah. so there's a couple drops. That's but it. otherwise, I just want that salinity. I do. I want horseradish. That's See, I'm with you. Okay, so yeah. I'll, I'll. It's an either or for me. Okay. So I'll either do lemon over the whole thing, okay. and then I'll do uh, horseradish and one if, wedge, one wedge on the tray. However many they provide us with. If, if so I'm at the do, bar, okay. I might ask for more. But if I'm at a table, I'm not going to make a server go back and get me more. Yeah, I'm saying, like, how much lemon do you Whatever's like? on there is what goes on. Okay. Um, okay. And then um, if there's horseradish, done. Yeah. If there's a Tabasco component, I sure. will save that per oyster for me because that's yes. not for everybody. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll taste the, the mignonette. If it's good, maybe I'll do a little bit of that. Mm. That's it. Secondarily, Champagne. We, uh, we recorded a podcast a few months ago. And they brought splits of sparkling wine, okay. and we poured it in the oyster shell and took the whole thing together. Changed my world. Yeah, we just talked about it at length in the, the yeah. last episode as well. And we talked yeah, about it. That's a cool that. move. Uh, yeah. I have now done it three times at little restaurants. Acid, little bubble. The bass, the 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 bartenders, the staff, like everybody's like, oh, I I got to start doing that. Yeah. Like I'm preaching the gospel. Keep it up. Okay, mm-hmm. we know Charles loves bubbles and things. 
pineapple. I love I love that that that's a better snack. I love that uh, <laughs> I love that oyster shooter that they provided for us. And if it was served to me that way, I would have it. You know, I'll have Rockefeller or what have you. If there's an interesting mignonette, I'll put it on one or two of them. Yeah. If I have six, I make a ramp mignonette. Uh, when it's ramp season and I go out and pick ramps, I make a ramp mignonette and that's mind blowing because so the flavor good. is so much different than just your standard uh, shallot mignonette. But yeah, usually I just want to make it. Also Straight that, up. that chive blossom vinegar that you make, mm. you threw that in the freezer, toss a little of that up. That'd be fucking delightful. Well, like a granita. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hadn't thought about that until you brought up the ramp. Totally. Absolutely. Shit. All right. Next up. Ne- this summer. I used chive blossom vinegar to make my last ramp mignonette. Mm, that, was right. the, that was the vinegar component. Well, fine then. Be ahead of me. Fine, whatever. <laughs> whatever. But the granita is a clever idea. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be awesome. Clever boy. <laughs> clever girl. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't Wait. remember what the hell we were talking about. Oh, oysters <laughs> and things that you didn't want to try. I thought you were going to hate that you ended up loving. <laughs> Charles. Talking about... Uh, Aside from doing a podcast with me, what did you think you were going to hate that you have now fall, fall, fallen in love with? I'm, I, you know what? I'm going to go this direction just to infuriate <laughs> you guys, oh, but it's going to be another beverage. Because um, oh, I like everything. I, I, I like Please all, say fizzy pineapples. I like all foods. <laughs> kind of. No, actually, it, it can qualify because it's hard seltzers. Yeah. When oh, yeah. hard seltzers had their day in the sun and, you know, the, the line's pointing down right now, but when they, you know, the White Claws and all those things started to emerge and all my people in the beer world, particularly salespeople, were ordering them at uh, Grumpy's in Northeast Minneapolis. I was like, what are you doing? Why aren't you drinking beer? And I don't know, I wouldn't say I wanted to hate them, but I was like, come on, like, like LaCroix with alcohol in it, but quite delightful and I found myself really enjoying them and I still do I still drink them in the summer you know you got your big got my yeti out in the yard for a party and it's full of lager and and hard seltzers because sometimes you just want something easy when you're having all these big flavors grilling and you're drinking wine and cocktails and stuff sometimes you just want something easy keep your buzz going or you know continue partying and they hit the spot but I didn't think that I didn't think that it was going to be for me, but I found them really enjoyable, and I still like them. Have you had the Toki and soda at all? That's like my favorite, the Suntory Toki. Highball. With soda. With just soda water or with uh, like a flavored? No, I don't flavor it. Oh, yeah, I love highballs. I drink highballs like a motherfucker, but like I look at that as a The whole carbonation of the martini, that all started with our love of of Japanese whiskey soda water. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean so the highball is the highball so with even, you know, Jim Beam, which is the way that I have them at Longman and Eagle cuz that's how they make them. It's just it's it, when you break it down, it's literally a uh, whiskey flavored hard seltzer. So, yeah. I can see where you're coming from with that specific yeah. profile. Absolutely love highballs. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Good. Delicious. So good. Uh I mean, Charles, you kind of stepped on mine a little bit because I was going to say sushi. The, the very first time that I had sushi was a fail uh, because the first thing that they served me was cuttlefish, which is notoriously chewy. And one of the... What did you order? Did you just say, give me a bunch of stuff? We, the, I, was, I was in high school and mm-hmm. we were uh, like, it was an uh, after school like culture club, I guess, that we were a part of. And they were bringing us around. Like, I got to make uh, tortillas in West St. Paul. 
Um, I, like we got to try all these different cuisines. They were basically being like, get out of your little whites, white neighborhood and mm-hmm. try different shit. And we went to uh, Kikugawa, which used to be down on, on the Mississippi River. And yeah. uh, the, they, they sort of did like kind of an omakase where they just made a bunch of sushi. And then the, the server was your just handing stuff around. Your first sushi experience as a teenager was omakase? Yep. Wow. So yeah, there were okay. eight of us. I didn't even know Kikugawa did omakase I, in those I days. Don't, I don't know if they did. I mean, I, I was a high school student. I didn't have any money to, to eat But there. you basically told them, just give me some, let me no, try some no, stuff. No, they had it set for it. Like, we walked in, and they basically did, like, a little bit of everything that's on their menu so that we could understand the Kind of like a sushi boat. Yeah, the mm-hmm. breadth of, of sushi. Sure. So we were all sitting there, mm-hmm. and the server, as he was going around talking about it, was just like, oh, here, 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 and he just handed everybody different things. And... Uh, Cuttlefish to this day, I'm Another not a huge you hate. fan of. <laughs> yeah, but like I'll eat it if I need to. But I, when I swallowed it, the, one of the the suckers like literally stuck oh, to the back no. of my my nope. like cheek. So it like it's I still alive. I couldn't swallow it. It was like fighting me on it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was it was pretty bad. Like there was there was gagging involved. It was no, it was no good. But now and, you love it. Well, and so I was like, okay, well if that's all sushi, then. Ugh. Sure. And then I was telling that story to a friend of mine and she was like, wait a minute, what did it look like again? And she like, we were going through pictures on the internet. I was like that. And she's like, oh my God, that's like, that's like black diamond uh, <laughs> level of difficulty. <laughs> like, why did they start you at that? I'm like, I don't yeah. know. I didn't even know yeah. what it was. Uh, and so oh. we went out and, you know, we just had some tuna and some salmon and um, the tamago, the little egg omelet. Mm-hmm. And I was you like, the clean stuff. Yeah. This is yeah. wonderful. And it turns out I had said that I didn't like sushi. I just don't really care for cuttlefish. Um, <laughs> and then that just started a, a adult lifelong obsession. Yeah. Because that was. That cuttlefish know, got a little too cuddly with you. A little too cuddly oh. with my throat. No, thank <laughs> yeah. you. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was from that point on, it was like. It, it was like it opened up an entire new level for me to explore because there was so much other, th- there's so many other things that I had cut off yeah. because if it was a sushi restaurant, then I just didn't want to go sure. period. Yeah. And like, that sucks, you know? And then once you're there, then all of a sudden, oh, well now we're trying sake and oh, well now I'm going to try this. And now I'm going to try uh, this seaweed salad. Another great example. Yep. That looked slimy and disgusting to me. That looked like what I used to harvest off of the beach at my cabin. <laughs> And it turns out, guess what? Delicious. Fantastic. So good. Even without the green food coloring, when it looks like just a gray pile of tentacles, delicious. So good. So it was like, I I, I was rewarded for coming back a second time with now a love of my life. And that is 100%. Like, that's the jam for me. Yeah. But oysters were, that was a a sweaty one. I I 100% ate my first oyster out of like, I didn't want to be the one that said I wouldn't yeah. eat it because everybody else at the table did. Yeah. And then I think I ate the most that day. I was like, oh, these are great. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I'm a Taurus, and I'm just very stubborn. And oh. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. It looks gross. And, and then a- finally it was like, I'm having one of those days. I'm going to try new things, and I'm going to do it. And I did it. And it was amazing. fucking fantastic. Well, if so. we want to get all horoscopical on it, uh, I'm a Leo. So if you want to push me into doing something, you have to just shame me into it. Because if I would have to admit weakness in front of everybody, sure. I will do anything. So when everybody else is do doing that. something, you're going to do it because. If I have sure. to say the, the, sure. the other option is that I'm too scared to do it, yes, 100%. Yeah, yeah. And I'm better about it than I was in my youth. 
But absolutely, like I did a lot of dumb things in high school and college simply because I didn't want to say that I, I was too scared not to. Right. Yep. Ooh. Now we'll Charles, Charles has given me Abby's flowers. Oh, boy. It's roses o'clock, y'all. Roses o'clock. God, I wonder if I can find the picture. I took a picture of the original ad in the metro stop in Paris. I, if I can find it, I'll send it to you. It's so funny. It was, I, like, I That's remember hilarious. just getting off the, the, the subway and just being like, what the fuck? Like, this we're already. This is what they think of us. Exactly. Yeah. This is what they think of us. <laughs> I also really love thinking, thinking about that. I love whoever came up with that ad campaign. Seriously. <laughs> Like, what do we know about Americans? They love this mountain where they carve presidents into it. So, <laughs> in a show I'm in of extreme marketing racism. for a Malton company. I should just put Mount Rushmore with whatever product that I'm. There you Ma- go. Malt Rushmore. Yes. <laughs> Malt Rushmore. And then just, just give them all the beer mustaches. There you go. <laughs> I love that. Perfect. There you go. Sold. Next. Yeah. New job. I solved beer. (laughs) Now what? (laughs) Well, speaking of solving beer, we're walking right into the next topic. Yes. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, that was another thing that on my voiceover at BSG was cheers, 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 cheers. (laughs) Cheers. For those two who don't know, I did a voiceover for a video and I will forever be ruined on certain words that... (laughs) I had to say 40,000 times, so. One of, one of my favorite things that I own in my DJ library is the actual audio in uh, 2006, 7, and 8. Uh, I was a part of a, like a production collective that did like a lot of remixes and all that, and I was like the, the hype guy. Nice. Uh, I, can, I can yell, make some noise with the best of them and throw your hands up and all that shit. And uh, make for, some noise with the best of them, like exa- that. Yes, with <laughs> yes, with the best of them. Oh um, seven to 08, uh, we had gotten big enough. I mean, like thousands of people around the world were were buying our shit, and everybody was asking us to do like a New Year's track. And a lot of DJs said we'd pay more if you could shout out our city or the DJ. So we do the whole like all the different elements to it. And basically, like, it was the full countdown, and then uh, uh, Matt Mazurka did a synth version of uh, Old Lang Syne, and then we would build it back up into, a, like, a club beat, and then that was, like, to celebrate what city we were in, right? And there is a raw audio. I, we just taped the whole list of all the cities and all the <laughs> DJs in there. Nice. And there's a raw audio of me, like, they just put like club music in my headphones and it was me just shouting out like all the different cities. Oh, man. And there's, there's a point where I hit like, like, like Des Moines and Lafayette and like Baton <laughs> like cities that you're just, you've never Not thought hyped up about right, it at all. like you've never thought about how, how to make, how to make it sound exciting. Yeah. And the best part is that you can not only hear me like crack up in the middle of it like five different times, but you can hear everybody else in the studio <laughs> laughing because it just that. sounds ridiculous. You're like, Des Moines, put your hands. You're like, no, that nobody's ever said that. Poughkeepsie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Waxahachie. Like it just doesn't. Got to be my favorite city name, Poughkeepsie. Well, and trying to, trying to figure out the cadence because it's got to be with the beat of it too. Trying right. to figure out the cadence of how to get that going on. There's just cities where you miss. Right. And oh my God, it's, it's so horrific, but it's just, 
it's fantastic because you could just hear how much fun we were having. Right. But God, I love like that. trying to sell people on small, like when you're driving on, was it, was it hay, hay bale, haystack, hay, hayfield? <laughs> hayfield. Hayfield. There you go. <laughs> I like, love that you, <laughs> all the iterations of that. As, as you're driving, as you're driving that route on the way home, imagine yeah. some annoying, like hey, yeah. quiet guy in a club hey, sock, like just, yeah. just trying to like make that sound like, <laughs> like it's New Year's Eve. We're getting crazy. Y'all ready? Bill Plain. Like it's just. <laughs> There's, there's a, just, I like how you made it sound spliced in. Bell plane. <laughs> well, plane. That was also the thing. Was, Are you ready? Bell plane. Because we couldn't, we couldn't do the whole thing over and over. That's just that's way too much vocal fry. Yeah. So we did. We had I to, know, so I had to I had to keep matching my own. Oh, no. And there is a, there are a few that we missed horribly off. Oh, I love it. There's Those are the um, best ones, I'm sure. The best uh, one, the best one, period. The best if worst I, ones. If I remember right, is Athens. Mm. Because Everything previous Athens, to it, Georgia. Yeah, everything that previous to it had been like Scotty's fiance is from. Oh, it's a beautiful town. The center of the program. I actually, I love <laughs> Athens, Georgia. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous town. Great music scene, incredible record shops. Home of Creature Comforts Brewing Company. There great you go. Brewery. Also, great brewery. Right, yeah. right. Um, but not easy to. No. Well, no. and the no? the ten the ten or twelve before it had all been like. Three or more I syllables. I love how Abby did that. Ba -ba -ba -bam. Ba -ba -bam. <laughs> it's like a cat doing it. <laughs> and so, so the the two syllable, and then the fact that it ends in like Athens. So there's not like a, the, as if you're like a hype person, you want to hold on the vowels, right? You it's you can't make somebody sound excited on like Athens. And I feel like that would be easy though. I don't know. Like I'm doing it in my head right now. I'm like. <clears throat> Athens. Well, so so what it ended up being was like, <clears throat> uh, it was it was like, put your hands up, oh oh, Athens, oh, uh. and like it it just didn't it didn't it fit so poorly. But I thought it was so funny. I was like, we got to leave it. And the guy ended up loving it because he said he said it, it actually kind of like Athens. He's like, it, it sounded distinctive. Rough. It was distinctive. <laughs> distinctive. <laughs> Athens. Oh, oh. Which could have just been polite. It was distinctive. Hey, Very nice. he took time out of his day to send us an email back. Again, just sending a little like, thank You're you. Great. That worked oh. out great. Perfect. Affirmation. Hey, how you doing, we buddy? We love mm -hmm. that. We loved how we you do. said Athens. Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. Let's get after it. Abby, <laughs> what changes in the- we answer all the question that we just asked? We never even like got to no, it. I don't think no. we did, but you Buried go the ahead. Lead. <laughs> <laughs> we had that beautiful segue. But uh, we already kind of touched on this a little bit. But uh, what changes in the worlds of beer and libations have you seen over this last year that give you hope for a better future regarding inclusivity and diversity? And what changes would you like to see in the coming months and years? I mean, like I said, I feel like we're, we're seeing forward motion. It's just not as fast as we want it to go. And mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it's just what has been transparent to me as a woman in the industry, and I, I feel like being a part of things, um, I am seeing more, just not enough, um, of underrepresented groups. Um, anybody that you talk to in these groups, they're going to say the same thing. Um, I feel like going out to Weathered Souls and talking to Marcus Baskerville and being a part of the incubation project for a little bit um, understanding that this is such a slow-moving thing, um, whereas it's very quick for so many white men that you can be brought into a brewery and you can jump into a job. I think 
over the last year, it has been moving slightly faster. Sure. And I think the change that I want to see is I want to see more underrepresented groups in leadership roles. I want to see more BIPOC groups, more LGBTQ, more women owning breweries. I want them to be running breweries. I want them to be making the decisions and, um, you know, on leadership positions, on guilds, you know, chairs. I want them to be doing things that um, we're not seeing as much as we want to right now. Can Can I make a quick interjection? Yeah. As someone who is privy to those processes at multiple um, companies, I want to encourage listeners that are of the groups that are in question currently to apply to those positions. Mm-hmm. I feel like there there's the um, mentality for, and it's societally embedded, where white men will apply to jobs that they're not qualified for because they're just like, let me see if I can get it. But I wish I would see more people that would like BIPOC people and um, um, women, transgender, what have you. I'd like to see more people just apply and throw their hat in the ring than I'm seeing right now. And I know that a lot of it is that the people who are seeing the listings are the people who are applying, but it's hard to find specific avenues to reach some people. And even when clients of mine go down those avenues, we don't see the number of applicants that I wish we would see. And I think part of it is that, and I, you know, as a person of color, I know where this comes from. There's a feeling that like, Oh, I I can't apply because I don't know. I don't think I would make it or that I'm not qualified to do it in a way that there's a segment of the population that will apply to something, even if they don't think they're qualified. just to see if they can get their foot through the door. So there's two parts to that, though. And I feel like you you understand this, that applying for something that you don't think that you're qualified for as an underrepresented group is way harder to do. Absolutely. It's usually not available to us. I mean, I have spoken to my friends at breweries and said, I'm looking for a job in brewing. And it still goes to their buddy who is a white dude who brewed so-and-so somewhere and is looking for a new job. Or somebody is in packaging and they need some a quick fix to have somebody come in and, and help, and then they make their way to brewing. Um, I think it's hard for a lot of people to apply for things. I mean, for instance, and I won't name names, but I I applied to be a head brewer somewhere, and I was told I would be paid $13 an hour. And I called my friend, who is an actual brewer, and he posed to be somebody else, and he called and said, how much are you paying for this? Just his voice on the phone, it was $17 an hour. Yeah. So, And this was a couple years ago, but like – for me, I wanted to learn, and I, I have coached so many different leaders in breweries that if you want somebody to come in that is from an underrepresented group, post it with a salary and tell you know the BCC, tell yes. all of these other groups, yes. please have these people apply. We want them to apply. You're right. We need them to apply. 
Um, I've, I can't tell you how many times in a month I'm asked on my Instagram or by friends, um, we have a job opening. Can you let people know? Um, but I think it's just putting it out there. Like we will train you how we wanted you to train you, you know, and I tell everyone, if you want somebody to come in and learn things your way, cause they're going to come from another brewery and they're going to come with things that you don't want them to be doing, right. train them exactly how you want and up, train them up. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to get people to apply when they know that Joe Schmo is probably going to get the job that's, anyway. That's what so. I'm speaking to out of a, you know, a subjective position of having worked with and currently working with companies that want those applicants yeah. and yep. will offer Definitely. a fair and level wage. I'm saying if you're listening to this and you're among those groups to be apply. You know, yeah. Definitely. And I know it can I know that there's like frustration and it can be easy to to kind of get beat down by the process if you've been attempting for quite some time and it hasn't yep. worked out for you. I just know that there are companies like the companies I work with that yep. want you to I apply. I agree. Yeah. And I, I agree about the companies that you work for. Yeah. I, I apply. Dan texted me to tell you that he loves you, by the way. Dan's great. He's just the <laughs> most wonderful human being in the world. Work for Falling Knife. But yes, I mean, it's just apply, reach out, and, and try your best. And I feel like, again, let's go back to the question this last year, I feel like I personally have been seeing a lot more fo- forward motion going quicker than normal, but not as fast as I would like to see it. We got deep there. You well, feel like there's We're supposed to be, though. That's, that's absolutely what we should be doing. Sorry, go ahead. Do you feel like you have any turnkey propositions for ways that we can spin forward, or is it... It's, I mean, I could say from my own perspective, even asking that question that it's never really quite that simple, but is there anything you feel like you could explain that breweries in particular could be doing to do a better job of this? That's a very loaded question. Right. And I come off of leaving the DEI chair on the guild for this reason, because it's very loaded trying to explain and trying to coach um, and coming off of the Brianne Allen and Brett Magnin mm-hmm. and if you haven't you're listening you don't know what that is just google it mm-hmm. um, but just trying to explain the whole situation I think that breweries first of all just need to post their salary be very transparent about what they're asking about and be very very transparent about what they're willing to do um, because I think that there's such burnout on being performative in hiring somebody in a position that it's really not, it's just about hiring an underrepresented person um, and not actually doing the work. Um, And I'm not speaking about anybody in particular, but that is um, why a lot of us want to find the seat at the table, why a lot of us want to be a part of the decision-making we want to be a part of hiring people and um, in leadership, not just your front of house and not just, you know, learning things. We want to be a part of the big, the big decisions. So. It's such a weird, weird's not the right word. It's, it's a difficult question for, 
like for me to look at because I, I, I don't experience it, right? Like I get all the benefits of the way that this country and this culture has been set up uh, both because of patriarchy but also because of, of racism, right? So the thing that, that, that gives me a lot of hope like, I lucked out that for four years I got to work at uh, a brewery called Bent Paddle that has two of four owners are, are female. They're incredible. They have led, especially, like, with Laura and her work on the Guild, like, they have led so many things. And it was amazing and incredible to get to, to work with them and see the fire and the passion that they had for that. That said, like, it's still everywhere you look. Yeah. It looks like me, right? <clears throat> The thing that gives me some hope is that I got to watch as as Brewing Change uh, Collaborative came together. I got to watch BCC form into what it is. The Black Brewers podcast is yeah. is all over all over the country. There's podcasts popping up uh, for people who are who are spreading the message. And the the sad part is, and I felt like this running bars for years before too, is all of the applications that would come in were from white people and mostly mostly men, and Part of the, part of the, the slow-moving portion that I'm trying to, like, swallow is that it might be a little bit of it waiting for the next generation to come up because yeah. they're going to come up not thinking of it as much of a disparity because totally. there, are, there are podcasts with people that feel like them, that look like them, yep. that are everywhere, and there are people that are going to these fests now yeah. that look like them and, and that, that ally with them. Yep. It's it's a different world than it was five years ago or, or eight years ago when I got into craft mm. beer. And so that, that gives me hope. But right. one of the, one of the hardest things that, one of the things that hit me the hardest leaving the beer industry was I co-founded the DEI committee at Surly and we had done a lot of work, whether it was through like the book club or all of our initiations, all the charity stuff that we were doing, like we were doing a lot of work, but it's still so slow moving. We got a, a full yes. scholarship passed through and that was great, but it took a long time to fill that scholarship. And I was presented with the opportunity to leave the beer industry and, and start working as the national sales director for a THC company co-founded by an African-American, mm -hmm. uh, a gentleman that I grew up with who grew up in the 90s in Minnesota as a black man in the suburbs. And when he sent, originally I was just going to sort of consult a little bit and try and help out with opening up the Minnesota market. And the first time I went to their website, equity was the, on the front page. Yeah. And I just saw an opportunity to, like, to actually help affect change directly in, before it gets out of everybody's hands and before we have to take a generational switch. And there's a part of me that feels like I, I, I jumped ship on something that I should have been continued putting in the work. But at the same time, if I can, stop and, if I can help stop another industry from turning into the, the beardy white wealthy boys club. Like to me, that was where, that was where I could affect change faster and trying to figure out individual effect versus societal effect is a, it's a tough thing to try and weigh out. Yeah. But I think that if we can, cause I think that the, the THC beverage industry, especially in the, the craft beer industry are so similar like I'm watching so many of the same hallmarks from when craft beer first hit its boom. Yep, if, exactly. if we have a chance to do it right from the start here, to me, we can almost help create a template that maybe helps 
craft beer figure out some faster moves that they can make. Yep. But it's, it's something that has to be on your mind all the time. It's something that has to be a part of all the decisions that you're making. And it's something that should weigh on your shoulders if you look like me and you sound like me. You should be thinking about this all the time. It should always be sitting in the back of yeah. your head. And I don't think that anybody thinks you have to be 100% perfect to make all the right decisions. But if you're factoring that in, in every decision that you make, if you're factoring that in, in how you help steer the company that you're working for, it will help steer the ship in the right direction. Yeah. And as much as it sucks to say this, there was a smaller boat that very quickly could become a very large boat that is easier to maneuver right now. And I, I'm very, very proud of the fact that we have the chance to make that change right now. Mm -hmm. And the more that I talk to friends of mine in the beer industry, the more that I see, I think that they're also seeing that, that those same, that if there are templates that get made, that maybe we can find crossovers, you know, because as if we can grow a more equitable industry on the THC beverage side, a lot of in Minnesota, a lot of breweries are making their own beverages. And if that can help bring more people into the fold to apply for those jobs, to see that there are changes being made, great. But again, like you said, that's just the start. The application, that's the easy part. Posting a job and even offering a scholarship, that's the easy part. Creating a culture that's welcoming for that people, is, that, is, that exactly, is wildly yeah. different, and that is a lot harder. And that's the thing that we still aren't really tackling. We're trying to come up all, Not all the- here in Minnesota. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I can't, I can't speak intimately. I've talked with people on DEI committees and other breweries it's around the country. It's still not happening in the U.S. Yeah. but like, I can speak in Minnesota. Like, we are, we are, light years behind where we should be when it comes to having actual an actual handle on making a culture that is acceptable and comfortable for everyone. Um, and I. I fully accept I'm a white woman who is seeing, saying this, and I have privilege too. Um, but I just feel like it's, it's stepping into that position where we don't have guidelines, we don't have any resources yet, and we're getting there. It's so slow. But you're right. I hope, I hope the THC you know, division of things is a good step. Um, I hope generational... I have a I have a gay non-binary teenager and I'm really hoping that within the next <laughs> decade that things get easier. Mm -hmm. I do. I really do and I think that that open-mindedness of identifying as a certain person and who you really feel you are and on top of that actually being able to show up as who you are. Yeah. Yeah. No matter who you are. Yeah. When you have the knowledge and the skills and to willingness to learn that you can actually do good at your job. Like you can, you can do the things that you need to do and progress. And that's all that matters, right? It, that's all that really should matter. Correct. It, it really should. And I think that that's weighing heavy on this, this question that we're talking about. That's where I want it to go. Yeah. I, over the last year, there are subtle movements Subtle movements that are happening. Um, let's make it happen faster. I mean, when I started working alongside, when my studio began working <gasps> alongside breweries many years ago, uh, I was 
almost exclusively the only person of color involved with any of those businesses. So I, I can see how far we've come Mm -hmm. in the last decade and that's heartening. And there are things like breweries like Arbiter that are celebrating Lunar New Year and they're commandeered by the wonderful Juno Choi, who's a former guest of this program. And they're involved with, you know, you mentioned Black Brewers Podcast, they're making a beer with them. Like, I love seeing proactivity. Problem for me has been that we're more reactive than proactive. Mm -hmm. Something happened, let's do something about it or like be vocal about it. When When I'm in other markets in particular, I literally just got back two days ago from Atlanta. In Atlanta, it's a very... Uh, inclusive especially the city of Atlanta is like so black and I loved it was so heartening to see like Mm -hmm. black owned businesses and like people who had spaces that you wouldn't necessarily see in a market like ours Mm -hmm. another element and it's not from the business side it's not server side but another element that is heartening is um, BIPOC people um, non-binary women trans people claiming space as well, saying like, I belong here, and then making themselves proactively a part of these environments. I've loved seeing that, and I'm seeing so much more of it, but I want to see businesses be more proactively um, um, allies as opposed to doing it reactively because there's a reason for it. A great, for instance, is, and I have have clients who've been working on this, and I'd like for my current clients to work on it, more quickly the idea of supporting these groups but not doing it just a certain time of year like pride you know everybody's like look at my rainbow colored yep. shirt cool you do that shit for two weeks and if anything sometimes it seems like a slap in the face instead of allyship when i was in atlanta there's like breweries that were displaying gay pride things within their brewery. There's a little cafe in the corner of a brewery that was the cafe that I went to every day when I was in Atlanta that I walked to. And they had like shirts hung everywhere that said queer and caffeinated. Like it doesn't have to be pride week mm-hmm. for support to be shown to, right. or like to, to create this like sense of place for groups other than what we're accustomed to in the brewing space. So seeing where we've come based on my experience having been involved with beer and libations for as long as I have is it's, it's heartening. I'm going to accept it as a win. Can we move faster? Absolutely. Should we be more proactive? Yes. Like, please let's, let's do, let's not just do black is beautiful once in a while and do pride shirts during pride month. Why can't we have initiatives like that all the time? And I'm doing my part to see that that is something that happens more yeah. quickly with the consumer-facing marketing and, and design side of these businesses that I'm involved with. And that's your reminder there is that Black History Month is in two weeks. Mm-hmm. So if you're not right. involved in anything, don't do that as a marketing ploy. Don't pretend like you are supporting. Or if you start in February, group. keep doing it. Can that, You can spin it no forward. Matter what it doesn't have to supporting, stop. It should be year round. Yep. Like if you're going to have 100%. rainbow anything, if you're going to be supporting yeah. black history, if you're going to be supporting LGBTQ women, it should be year round. It I'm shouldn't just don't be something it. that you like 
change your icon. You can't change your whatever. Don't make swag for this stuff. Like just this should be something that should be happening behind the scenes. We don't need to like make a big deal of it. But again, in two weeks, Black History is happening. Yeah, don't, just don't flip don't the close sign. Like, yeah, just it, yeah. you know, exactly. Like you it's can, not a, a switch. Like just you're not done when the month ends. No, period. Precisely. And you don't start when the month. Yeah, ends, exactly. Or it yeah. starts. It's yeah. just it's just. Yeah. Can I can I give one asterisk on the merch thing? Um, yeah. We I was really, I I was really proud this year. Uh, instead of. Uh, I was still working for Shirley Brewing, and instead of doing a rainbowed something, we reached out to artists in the queer community and said we would love to have people submit something, and we ended up choosing a a local queer designer. We did T-shirts. Not only did they get paid, but then also all of the proceeds went to a a local, it's called Upfront, an incredible group. And to further along with your point, Charles, um, we did a full batch of, of a, a beer that we did as a, a charity also with all the proceeds going to out front. And uh, when Pride Month was over, guess what? That beer still sold like a motherfucker. Yeah. Like we sold every goddamn barrel of that yes. because people wanted to keep drinking it. Yeah. And that, it was really... That just goes back to like saying people are looking at what you're doing behind your, mm-hmm. your business and people want to know that That's you're it. not just changing your profile photo. You're mm-hmm. not just yeah. like pretending to be something you're actually giving your money and your support to people you are giving a place at the table to the right people and if you commit to it people will support that that's the thing like right. everybody's like well like it's not a thing get the fuck out of here like are you serious look around your community right now it's a fucking thing 365 yeah, yeah. days a year i, I just want to yeah. be careful to say that it's not an all or nothing proposition right which means that if people try i don't want i don't want owners of breweries to hear this and think that like they shouldn't do a little if they can't do a lot it's just like do I don't what do. you can yeah that's, that's the thing like do whatever what, you can and and yes. and don't make it about so i'm i always tell my kids like if you're going to do something nice to somebody don't talk about it just do it and that's the thing like i come from marketing i get it but like if you're going to do something do what you can if you can like send that text and be like Charles, how's it going? You know, I'm checking in on you. Or if I have a lot of money this month, I'm going to put it towards something that I really care about. And if I'm in a business, I'm going to hire people that are really good at their jobs, no matter what they look like or what they identify as. So I think, yes, to your point, do what you can. Do whatever you can. Just don't make it about performance yeah. mm-hmm. and making your business look cool. All right. Cheers. 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 <laughs> I don't have alcohol in either you, of my glasses. What, would you I like roses? <laughs> would you like powers? Sure. Would, have some of that. I'll have some roses. I don't. I might have to hand this to you. I don't know if I can do that. Pour over yeah. the board. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know my not a good idea. My own my own clumsiness <laughs> that gave gotcha. me a little bit of of uh, of, of palpitations there. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we went deep. I hope this next one was lighthearted. Sorry, Abby, solve racism. No, I'm just kidding. No. Uh, even have you. As a white woman, that's one. not going to be a thing. No. I can no. Do. Uh, no, we, we, we do, especially since we've been drinking, like we do try and end it a little bit lighter. And uh, one of the things that I love about Minnesota and growing up here was that I thought cabin country was like our mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And 
the more that I travel, mm-hmm. the more that I realize that everybody, like every culture has some version of that. Yeah. And they don't call it obviously cabin country, but everybody has like a thing where they like to go vacation. They Going like on holiday. Yeah. Or, yeah. Break out of my routine and, and go somewhere different. Yeah. But if we want to look at it here in, in Minnesota, AKA the upper Midwest, we very much, we have a divided cabin country culture, right? Where it's either, uh, the luxury home might be nicer than your actual home, like all of the amenities, yeah. uh, lake home, or we have the, the rough in it like ice that. house that's built on land. Yep. Uh, you might have a hole in the ground. You have some sort of a wood burning stove. Basically you you have walls and a roof to keep you out of the elements. Yes. Do you have one that you prefer? And when you are hitting cabin culture, Abby, is there like, what are you looking for the most? Okay, so I grew up mobile second choice. Got it. Uh, at a resort, and I say resort very loosely. This is not like a fancy place at all. Yeah. Will- Williams Narrows was the Ooh. place. Sounds a lot fancier than it actually was. It was just Lake Winnebagosh, tiny little, tiny little resort where you could camp or bring your motor home. All right. And we brought our motor home. I preferred that. I loved that. I sure. loved, like, not that I grew up. I grew up very poor. I grew up with not much, divorced parents, everything like that. But I, I loved living off of the land. That's not a thing. But, like, just we ate our fish at night. We had a fire. We were very um, outdoorsy and whatnot. Um I prefer that. I prefer that. I love that. I'm not a huge like camping person. I don't I don't love bugs. I don't love things crawling on me. I don't think that people normally do, but I will do it <laughs> if I need to. But I think that that is my up up north, quote unquote. I love I, that. I appreciate it and I I love being on the lake. I love Hearing the loons, I hear, love hearing, you know, all the mosquitoes around my head and everything. But um, I think that if you're going to a cabin that has more than what your house has, I'm a, a little bit judgy when it comes to that. Fair. So, do, do you, you prefer? Oh, 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 two followers. Charles, my good man, go ahead. Do you prefer? It sounds like you're a summer kind of gal. You like summer cabining. Do you have even an inkling of? winter cabining or outdoorsiness in you? Do you like doing outdoorsy, woodsy stuff in in the winter? I do like being outside in the winter. I don't recall ever going somewhere other than my hometown growing up. Mm. I grew up in Southern Minnesota. You don't go far because you can't get far. (laughs) Um, I mean, I love to be outside and I, (laughs) you'll see me, with my sleeves up in the winter, just trying to catch some sun at that point, but, um, get some vitamin D. Yes. And I love to fish. I do ice fishing. I have not actually done a ton of, I would love to do it. Um, what do you fish for? What's, what kind of fishing do you like? Walleye and Northern are like my things, but I have a tattoo of a perch because that was growing up. There was the perch hole on Lake Winnie 
mm-hmm. where you would literally drop your line and then have a perch within like two seconds. Mm-hmm. And that was like, as a kid, it was like gold, you know? Um, it was like a, it was nature's version of the claw machine. Yeah, like, exactly. Like it's easy, <laughs> like instant gratification. Yeah. What I think some kids nowadays feel when they're like on Instagram and no, not Instagram. I'm sorry. I'm old. The, uh, the TikTok. TikTok. There you go. The TikTok. The talk. See? Yeah. T- the TikTok. But I feel like winter is great. I wouldn't travel somewhere to be out in the cold myself personally. Sure. You guys. Charles, I'm uh, when it comes to outdoorsiness, I I love the outdoors. I felt disconnected from it for a long time as a city boy. I was in Eagle Scout as a kid, and then I just sort of nestled into my city life. And then um, about 15 years ago, I started, and you know, you'd go to your friends' cabins and party there and stuff. My friend Mike. RIP. I think we um, can say friend of the podcast. Absolutely. He's a, he's a part of a lot of this. Mike uh, brought me back into like fishing and camping and all the things that I knew I all along that I loved and just stopped doing. So the way that I look at it now is that I'm a, you're, uh, you're the type of person with friend group A and a different type of person with friend group G. I'm that dude because I'll do it. I'll do any of it. I'll do like the dope ass big cabin. We just did a winter cabin adventure where, you know, we went to this absolutely beautiful uh, all wood fireplace on the lake cabin uh, with some friends about a month ago now. I love that experience. I love when I go to Mike's family's compound to this day, they have kind of the three little bear scenario where Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, right here. Yeah. There's two exits. And <laughs> all the doors are hidden here. Yeah. They're all hidden. Everything here is mysterious. Especially us. So they have like the, th- <laughs> they have the three little bears cabins. They have like the old 80s Rambler. They have their state-of-the-art, beautiful lake house with ceiling so high, you know, you, you got to have a good arm to hit the ceiling with a tennis ball. And then they bought um, this little farmhouse that was on the odd side of that. That was Mike's cabin that we call the farmhouse. And each of those is a very different experience. When we first started cabining there, they only had the Rambler. And that was like 80 style cabin. It's got a bathroom. There's electricity. And that was what you had. Your phone wouldn't work and there was no Wi-Fi. So it was just your cabining, like basic cabining. Mm -hmm. And then they got the state of the art farmhouse. Suddenly there's Wi-Fi, there's a TV, we could watch a UFC, there's this big, beautiful kitchen we can cook in. And then when they acquired the farmhouse, we started to, you know, that was like Mike's cabin. So if the rest of the family was there, we'd stay in the farmhouse. And sometimes when nobody was there, Mike would say like, oh, you know, we got to stay in the little cabin, like the heat's not working in the big cabin or, or what have you. He always had an excuse and oh, like carbon monoxide poisoning. We haven't checked the HVAC in this place because they did have it there. We ought to build our fire in the stove slash fireplace. And at first, I was like, "Huh, all right, you don't want to stay in the big cabin, all right?" Because it was such a cool cabin. But as the years went by, I adopted Mike's POV, and I know why he did it. It was like a minor manipulation, little white lie, <laughs> where he wanted to stay 
in the more woodsy place with his woodsy friend. Yep. And we go camping on this lake that has a, a island in the middle and we'd boat out there and we'd only eat what we caught plus like the potatoes we brought and a couple, a couple eggs. That was like what we ate. So I am a no one size fits all kind of guy. If I have woodsy friends, I want to do the, the roughest of the rough. They, some, some guys I know, including Nathan Beck, former guest of the podcast, wants me to go winter cabining with him next month in February. Well, yeah, next month, February. If I'm able to go, I would love to go. I haven't winter cabin in a long, or winter camped in a long time. So I can go from there to that big, beautiful lake house. Sure. They're just different experiences, yeah. right? Like some people don't want to do the, the rough, roughing it. And some people don't want to do like the upper classing it. But I like every gradient in that scale because there's such different experiences. You're, you're full spectrum. Yeah, if you come equipped, you know, like, this is what I'm getting into. Yeah, yeah. I'm bringing a bunch of, you know, we stay in the lake house. I'm bringing a bunch of really nice wine. I'm going to cook steaks on the grill outside. You know, that's the experience that you're having there. If you're going camping, you're like, yep, I got my bag. I got all my things. I got, you know, some high lifes and uh, in a cooler with some ice that might last the weekend. So it's just... I, I will do all of those things. And I sure. actually love the fact that you can have eight different experiences in a single summer because you're riding that gradient all the way up or down. That's, I love that. I mean, honestly, that's probably like, I feel like that's where I should be. And I'm not. Okay. Cause here's the deal in the summer, I can't stand mosquitoes and I don't even mind like mosquito bites. Yeah. It's Them buzzing around. Oh my God. Like, again, it's my issues with sound. It's mm-hmm. also to state bird. It's a weird cousin to yours where uh, <laughs> yeah. I just can't, like, when I need it to be quiet. Mosquitophonia? I, like, mosquito, I have mosquitophonia. <laughs> Fly and mosquitophonia are real things for me. Where when you're laying in a tent and you just hear that buzzing when you're trying to, like, I can't yeah. stand it. Or, like, it. the feeling where they're, like, hitting your yep. face. Drives me crazy. Not cool. And then also, uh, I... I actually don't know, uh, I, I'm not going to ask you your age, but like age range? I'm 37. Okay, all right. So I'm 43. We're similar-ish. Yes. Uh, growing up in the 80s and 90s, uh, I have never, I never had the, like the giant growth spurt. I've always just been bigger than everybody. And uh, a lot of those old school tents, I couldn't stretch all the Fit way into, out. yeah. Yeah. And so either I had to have my feet outside of the tent and zip no. it around so your feet just get eaten or oh, no. I wasn't allowed to stretch out. Right. So camping is not like traumatic, but like I don't want to do that. Right. I understand that now they have tents that are the size of like small houses. They have like a thousand square foot tents. I'm not going to do that. I'm never going to invest thing. in that. Yeah, yeah. the glamping thing. Yeah. Like, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah. In the summer, as Really, for me at this point, in the summer, if I have uh, a bathroom, a shower, and somewhere that I can lay completely straight yeah. without bending my knees, yes. I'm good. Yeah. Usually, that ends up being some form of like a lake home. Yeah. That ends a up cabin. being, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I grew up with that. Uh, it wasn't, there were no like real bells and whistles, but it was, we had a full kitchen. Yeah. We had running water. We had flushable toilets. Yep. My... Yeah close my eyes and think of like one of your favorite memories. We had the main cabin was on the lake and then we had another two bedroom like that was, we had a crazy steep hill. Uh, And there was another cabin up on top of the hill. 
that was where I would stay because my grandparents always stayed in the main cabin all summer. So if you went around, because the hill was so steep, if you went around behind the cabin on the hill, you could just jump up on the roof. And then I would put my sleeping bag there uh, with a pillow. And you're far enough outside of, the, of all cities that you could just see all the stars. Oh, and then you so have the breeze cool. coming off the lake. So usually the mosquitoes weren't too bad. And also being that much higher at that quick of an elevation, they just don't right. buzz around as much. So that was a beautiful thing to me. But 100%, if I got cold, I could go inside and have a hot shower. Sure, sure. Uh, in the question, though. Yes, yeah, yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. As a roof sleeper mm-hmm. in southern Minnesota, did your sleeping bag fall down the roof as you were sleeping? Yes. So you'd wake up like... Kind of at the edge, and you're like, oh. It was it was always like a little dicey. It, it yeah. was yeah, because I mean, me too. Like that was always my thing. What it was, it wasn't sliding. It was the fact that I I toss you and turn, move around. So as yeah. you sleep, yeah. you would just sort of shimmy your yes. way down. Yeah, and then uh, you felt it, and you were like, okay, time to move back up to the point. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So the the one nice thing was uh, because this was the 80s into the 90s. Yes. These were like steel gutters. Yeah. So it was always like that you when your heel it. hit that, you're Big like, okay, time. all right. Yeah. It's not yeah. going to hold all of my weight, yes. but I know that I can press off that a little bit to kind of yeah. shimmy back up yep. and go. Yep. So that for the summer, that's very much me. I, you would have to give me a pretty hardcore reason to like go camping on a 95 degree day yeah. in, in July. Just not my thing in the winter. I, I don't know if it's like my Scandinavian blood. It, I, I hearken to more rootsy things, uh, more <laughs> rustic situations in the winter okay. because no bugs. And usually yeah. if you're staying somewhere, it's, it's not just a tent. Like you're staying somewhere that has to have the ability to build a fire. And yep. so if warmth and, uh, and me being able to actually stretch out are covered and no bugs, I'm all the way in. So okay. like I am, I am but very much. What? I have to ask. What, what circumstance do you find yourself in that you find all of these things? Uh, I have a number of friends that have basically what looks like an, a, a bigger ice house that's their cabin up north that okay. they use as a staging spot for uh, like ice fishing where they'll just drill the hole. Like we're not inside. But it's like a bougie place then if you're able to stretch your limbs. It's just, it's, it's just a larger, like I'll still sleep on the floor. Sure. But... I can, you know, it's, it's a few hundred square feet, so you can actually, like, do that. There's a wood stove. Okay, okay. And then I like that. do that. I'm into that, because yeah. that, that stuff I'm, I'm good with. Like, let's throw on some winter clothes. Let's go for a long walk, get good and sweaty, come back, have some drinks, hang out, Fish. warm up a little bit, yes. go back out. Yep. Go, you know, basically everybody drops lines in a hole. Hopefully yep. somebody finds something. If not, we have a bunch of other random horrible-for-you snacks. Yep. No pineapple fizzy snacks, but like normal snacks. Uh, <laughs> cabin, hey, cabins, cabins, I'll eat, I'll eat snacks. That's yeah. a, road trips and cabins. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you're burning calories, yeah. But for me, like that, that's I love winter roughing. It is is my favorite because I love the idea. As long as you have somewhere warm to go back to, I love the 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 push and pull of yeah. like frozen and warm and yeah. frozen and warm. Yeah, like I. I have one good friend who has a sauna at his house. It's it's wonderful in the spring and summer. Like yeah. oh, we'll go over there and do that. Winter is the best. It's though. it's the jam. Yes. Like my friend owns C 
Cedar and Stone. Oh, Hutch? Nordic, uh, Justin. Justin, okay. Yeah, and that's prime time. What, like, what is that? Doesn't matter. It's in Duluth. Yeah. Okay. A Nordic sauna there. And, okay. I mean, it's like prime it, time. It's at Pier B now. It's they're the gonna shit. have So they have one there. They're actually setting up two. And then they're going to have slides into the slip. And it's going to be... Shouts out to my homegirl, Molly, who has been helping a lot Molly's with this stuff. Molly's amazing. Molly is magical. Yes. I, I adore yes. her. And I... I almost gave her a shout out because she loves Dessa so much on her last episode and I didn't do it. Aww. So Molly, I just want to tell you that Abby and yes. I both fucking love you and you're wonderful yes. and magical. You're amazing. Justin, you're also amazing. Also amazing. Yes. Also amazing. Yes. I'm not I a mean, sauna boy. Ooh. Yeah. I don't like, boy. I don't like being wet when I don't want to be wet. That's like one of my big, but, okay, here's but the it's thing, just your though. own You can sweat. go no matter Hate where it. you're at. Mm. Hate it. Get sweaty. And go jump in the snow or go outside and jump mm, in the correct. lake. That's a bunch of wet that I don't want. That's that is multiple wets. <laughs> that is uh, that's wetting multiple your wets. wets. <laughs> wetting your wets instead of wetting the dries. This is also the person that wants to drink fizzy pineapple. Yes, I, I do drink. Yeah. You know, Abby, believe it or not, I do drink fluids to survive. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, twice guest on this podcast, uh, Paul Hennessy, that is... Drilling down to the the primal nature of sauna and jumping in snow and back to sauna and then back mm. to jumping in snow. I we've been friends for twenty years now. And I think I always thought like we're about as close as two people can get. We lived together while we both went through divorces of women of the same name. So there were some weird conversations <laughs> that were had within the walls of that house. Sure, sure, sure. I didn't think that we could get any closer until he built a sauna in his backyard. And now that is a part of our friendship regiment. And mm, let me tell you. Four square feet. It's, it's the gym. Absolutely. <laughs> it can comfortably fit Who's, who sits, three people. Who sits in whose lap? Oh, no. We're side by side. We're sweaty arms oh, all yeah. in there. That could have been funnier. All up in there. We get, that, we get that baby up to 220. I wanted you to say oh. you sit in his lap. Uh, we both know that that's not the case. <laughs> I will hold Paul like a baby. Yeah. And if he doesn't like that, yeah. <laughs> He's 6'3". It's fine. Uh, like the, the, the little baby Paul, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, I think that's, that's it. Is if you just do the luxury home thing, I don't think you're getting anything different than like staying at no, a hotel. And I get it. Yep. I get okay. it. I'm not judging. Yeah. If you have the money to do that, and if that's what you want to do... Also, not camping or going. Also, don't this call it a This is a Minnesotan thing, so people who don't live in the state or Midwest, like going up north, is a whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's not a thing if you're just like going like thirty-five minutes some direction to sit in your home that's bigger than your actual home. There, so. there are other elements at play, though. It depends where you reside. If you have a condo in the North Loop sure. and you go to, like, that is like true. let's rent a house and it's on a, a lake of some sort. It's just a having, you know, it's a staycation. It's a different dynamic. Also, I think the aesthetic is important because even if it's a nice lake house, if it's, like, cabiny. Yeah. Still, you know what I mean? And it's not for totally. everybody. And that's, but. shout out to my in-laws. Yes. Like, they, my my mother and father-in-law, um, they're, they retired to a lake home. And it's great. But when you go there, it's, you know, it's all, it's very, it's very northern Minnesota. It's all yes. light wood. 
Yep. And like you, you, everybody knows, like you, the the smell of the wood alone. You're like, oh yeah, this, we're at yeah. the cabin. I'm up north. But that's yeah. also that's also where they're retiring as as humans. Yeah. So mm, they have to have right. like like it's a full, it's a beautiful full. They have kitchen. the trappings of every yeah. life. But yeah. but yep. they've Wonderful. also focused all of the activities around being outside. They have a massive yard that goes down to the lake. And when we're there, it's like, what are we doing? Are we taking the boat out? Are we going fishing? Are we you know, playing croquet or bags outside? Are we barbecuing with the neighbors up there? Mm-hmm. Like, that's, to, that's a different kind of it for me. If it's really nice, it should be on water. Yes. Because yes. at least you yes. have that, you know, because yes. we don't, none it of us have, I, my office is on the water, but yeah. if I go to a really nice cabin and it's on the water, then at least that's a connection to, you know, cabining. Yeah. But there is... You know, there's, I was talking about that. There's a gradient. So, yep. like, the top level, the full saturation point is having that, like, cozy fireplace getaway, yep. cooking a fancy dinner, you're playing a record, and then, you know, you got a, maybe a frozen lake outside because it's the winter. That's, I think that's viable. It's just a totally different experience Correct. than... Yeah. Being in the middle of the woods with the wind howling in the yeah. same elements, but yeah. that's what that's why that's why I asked is For sure everybody has this idea of what it means to to get out of town and, and go somewhere, and I think that the joy of what we would call like cabin culture or in in Scandinavia is like hit the tour and I, everybody has a thing if you're if you're somewhat near a coast it's going to the beach. Like whatever it is, it's mm. it's how do you break out of your regular life, yeah. but not exactly. go on a full vacation? Yep. What what does that mean to you? And again, one of the things that I loved that I've loved about this show is we found that over and over again, people have so many similar joys in life. It just depends on where you are and what you grew up with. Talking about a snack getaway. Yeah, a snack like getaway. A, like a fizzy pineapple. pineapple a pineapple fizzy cabin. Pineapple fizzy lake You'll never house. live this down, ever. I, no, I don't, uh, I, don't, ever. I don't mean to. And it also sounds delicious. Dan's going to make that next, like... I will own it. Something IPA. I probably <laughs> will buy a pineapple. I name most of the beers, so maybe I'll put that <laughs> on the back. I will literally buy a pineapple this week, and I'm probably going to spend this weekend drinking pineapple fizzy waters, because it's fucking delicious that sounds great banging and stupid simple like mm-hmm. it's it's dumb so just the just so dumb just it's stupid the, just the juice yeah your little thing in the soda stream yeah don't i don't put the juice in the soda stream just a can of dull pineapple juice pour yeah. it over ice the, charge yep. water fill it up use a pint glass cool it is tasty. And then put a pineapple ring in there so that it's an official snack. Ring. We found out, right? dehydrated. Yes. Do you, okay. um, uh, I, I don't, obviously you have so much less time with three young ones running around yeah. everywhere. But um, do you experiment at all with like like food things and, and oh, cooking things? Oh, yeah. I love to cook. So yes. one, of, one of my favorite things that I discovered, and I'm not the one who invented this. I literally read an article and was like, oh, that's a great idea. Um, one of my favorite treats for my dog is I'll buy a pineapple and I'll, I'll core it. Mm-hmm. And then I chop up the pineapple into chunks and I put them in the freezer. And then when Millie comes in, if, you know, like if I needed her to pee and poop and she pees and poops, yep. like, boom, it's a pretty healthy snack. She loves it. She can kind of chew on it a little bit. Dogs can go. eat pineapple? Yes. I always, here's my jam. Alexa, can dogs eat pineapple? 
Alexa is just here taking notes. I don't yeah, understand. Yeah, oh, you can't hear her anyways. But that's what I do when I'm in the kitchen and the dog walks up to me and I'm eating fruit usually. Yeah. I'm like, Alexa, can dogs eat mm-hmm. such and such? Strawberries and apples are like the ones that I'm like, you guys just... Take this. Yeah. yeah. Works yeah. great. Oh, Bogey. Every time Bogey sees me, next. grab yeah. a banana. That yeah. motherfucker's like, where's mine, motherfucker? It's, okay, like, <laughs> here's the thing. My youngest, bananas are his. Yeah. Like, you don't know. No sharing? That's it. Like, we, I order, like, so many. six to 12. That's amazing. Week. It's also, a lot. Let's hope we don't get egg He's prices. He's a tiny little bananas. human being, but yeah. he eats a lot of bananas, bananas. and he yeah. just. Great potassium for a, a growing boy. It's great. But at the same time, like, he can't handle, like, sharing some slices of banana. Mm. So, strawberries and apples are... The jam. Pineapples will be... It's yeah. it's great. And especially if you eat some of it, and then it kind of starts to get, like, a little mushy. And you're yeah. Like, eh. That's you when you go. freeze it. Good freeze to go. Freeze it, and then they're good. Take the cool. rest of it. Yeah. Take the rest of it, put it in uh, some water yeah. and a little bit of sugar, and just let it cook down. Strain everything out, and you have the most amazing pineapple syrup. Uh, because the husk yeah, gives brine, it like a little brine. bit of the rind yeah. gives it like a grassy. You, note you know why you didn't it? invent this? Because I brought it up on an episode like twenty episodes ago. Yeah, and I had already done it. This <laughs> was like two years ago that I, I made don't this. believe it. But it, again, it was from an article that I read. Pineapple like, fizzies are a thing. See, so, mm-hmm. so it's a snack. Fizz it here's the thing: you, you do that. Sweeter, use that syrup. <laughs> yeah, you do that. Use you got to go. You have that in the fridge. <laughs> Figure it. Out. You could do it. You Throw could, some carbs in there. The doc can batch good. that We're shit. Out. The doc can drink it. You know, give some batch, to the dog. please. <laughs> That's not making the. We got too many already. Right. Okay, <laughs> we have too many. <laughs> we have too many qualms. <laughs> I did. Okay. I did try to start back at the bar industry days. I did we're, try and start. Uh, I had three really musically talented barbacks, and we were going to start a punk band called Batch Shit Crazy because we had to batch all of our cocktails, <laughs> and all we did was talk about all of our song names, and we never wrote a single song. So we got "Give Me the Flowers" Wonderful. from Nachos to Caviar, Malt Rushmore, and Mosquitophonia. So we got some. Can- I, no man, <laughs> we got some candidates. <laughs> The second one is still my jam. From not just the caviar? Yeah, man. Yeah. I, you'll find out. You'll find not out tomorrow. caviar. <laughs> that happened so quickly. Right? It was and very, pretty organic. A very quick transition from nachos to caviar. You, you were over here like, yeah, have you had caviar with this, this, and that? I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. This fuckboy uh, fuck over here drinking my... pineapple fizzies and eating caviar. Snacking on pineapple and fizzies, And blinis. 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 Yeah. yeah, not Bellinis, but Blinis. 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 Uh, Abby, thank you so much for being here. This was so rad. This is great. Uh, if, if somebody wanted to, to find out more about what you're doing uh, within the industry and all that, is there anywhere that you would direct them? Is there anything that you're working on right now that you want people, especially, we have a huge local following. Is there, is there anything that you want them to look out for when it drops? Um, you can follow me on... Instagram, it's grandma, so GMA underscore hops, or follow CMG, Country Malt Group, and that's where I'm at. And um, next week we have Team Nevertheless, hashtag Nevertheless, uh, Brew Day happening at Blackstack. You'll see me posting things on that, and if you're following anybody, any women from that group, You'll see it. Follow along. And if you're not, you should, because there's so many fucking dope humans in that group. Seriously. 
So many great people. Abby, you came so close to looking at the bottom of your Libations for Everyone coaster. I wish you would. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? It's a kitty cat. It's a kitty cat. Is it, though? It's smiling. Such a... Tyson. Nobody has, like, one... Did she do that? Tyson from Scalvin oh, made okay. these coasters yeah. for us, and we love kitty cats. Guam also loves kitty cats, but I have a Tyson dog. and I have a special love so, of sending kitty cat videos. Is yours a dog? There's a dog on one. I, yeah, he because he oh, goes. Oh, he must have thought you don't like kitty he cats. Goes, as much he goes. You like cats, but you also have a dog, asshole. And then he gave me <laughs> <So> the <why? laughs> I, He's got yeah, neither. Both. He's got neither. Tyson, get well, a cat. He's I always, got a, I he's got a really nice high rise condo. Is what he's got. Get a kitty cat. I always tell him, get a kitty cat. He loves him so much. Oh, this was uh, this was super awesome, Charles. Uh, anything that you want people to follow? No, I, but shit? I do want to touch on something we were going to touch on at the beginning, and we did not. Yeah. We have a frenzied schedule coming up of yeah. incredible guests, and we're steadying the ship. You know, during the holidays and stuff, we were a little uh, slow to the punch, and you know, it's by design, and a couple things came up, and that's okay. But also, have, like you got sick, and uh, I changed jobs. Like, there's life fucking saying, things came up. No, yeah. it's fine. But like, we have uh, we have this an absolutely incredible schedule of guests coming up over the next. We, we're scheduled out for like two months. We have a fucking awesome catalog of dope ass people coming on this program, and uh, you're you're really gonna love it. It's great, like getting to start the year. Uh, and, and just kind of get refocused on all that. Like, I, I think all of you out there know that. Like, life gets in the way sometimes, and, and at the end of the day, we love this show. We love talking to you. We love talking to all these incredible guests. And uh, sometimes things just get a little crazy. And now that we've sort of navigated the holidays, which are always nuts, uh, now the way that we've started these first two episodes have just been absolutely wonderful. Abby, thank you again for being here. Like, Happy this was... For somebody who's been in, in the beer industry for eight years, this is the first time I've actually gotten to really like talk to you. And it's rad because you've been in the orbit of my world for so long. And it means a lot to have you here. And just please keep doing what you're doing because it means so much to this entire beer community. Um, and to all of our listeners out there, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm stoked when, when Charles actually wrote out the calendar of what the next two months look like. It's, it's fucking awesome. So uh, yeah. we got excited. a lot we of cool. We're finally going to start having fun. Yeah, <laughs> Ugh, it's been such a slog. <laughs> <laughs> we just wanted you until the seventies for us to really show you what we're about. Exactly. You know? uh, but yeah, until then, uh, take care of yourselves out there. Uh, take care of everybody around you, and try and put some good out in the world. Charles, nah, that's it. All right. Well, I was about to go. Bye. Bye. Okay, bye.